Hello, what is up, Freaks? It's your boy, Marty Ben, here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I sat back down with one of our favorite boomers, Dave B. Column, David B. Column, Dave Column, Professor Dave Column from Cornell University. We had a great conversation. As always, Dave had some boomer moments throughout this, so please bear with us. This trip was brought to you by Cash App. Can help you stack sets and sets, receive sets and sell sets. If you so please, Cash App makes it easy to do all this. Sats are the standard within the app. We're not talking bits. We're not talking whole Bitcoins. We're talking sats. You bits, bitches. Get out of here, okay? <laughs> Cash App. Sats is the standard. Download the app if you haven't already. Use the code stacking sats. S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Right down the hall. I don't know how many. Am I going to say this like every Unchained ad now? They're literally right down the hall. I see Unchained people all day. Our oldest sponsor. Good friends. Making incredible products, more importantly. Some of the best in the space. Leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties in this is very evident in their vault product, which is two or three multi-sig. You hold two keys. Unchained holds one key. You always have control over your sats within that vault uh, however, if you're ever in a pinch, you only have one of your keys and you need somebody to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum, Unchained is there to be that second key. Collaborative custody. It's here to help you eliminate single points of failure. If you have all your coins on an exchange, if you have all your coins, you have multiple coins, you're, you're doing well out there. If all your sats on an exchange, uh, if you have them all in a single sig wallet, those are single points of failure. Help distribute that risk via an Unchained Collaborative Custody Vault if you tell Unchained that TFTC sent you and you go engage in their white glove concierge service, you're going to get $50 off the package. And the package includes multiple video conference calls to get you comfortable with the vault, with multi-sig, with Unchained. They're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to get it all set up. They're going to set up your vault. They're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in it. And you're going to be happy because you know that you're engaged in a collaborative custody model and your sats are secure. Your security model is distributed. It's robust. Unchained providing that. Go check it out. Unchained.com. Check out everything they have going on. This room is also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. 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 Ooh, car. I've actually got to pull up. Uh, we got new Brains ad. Like Brains is the team behind Slush Pool. The oldest uh, Bitcoin mining pool in existence. Uh, they're they're also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you stack more sats with your hash. If you have a mining model, that is compatible with brains and you're not using it. You're leaving sats on the table and I'm here dragging out this ad read because I'm looking for the latest models, which they added. They had a firmware update to the brains OS plus firmware recently. Uh, they released firmware for the Amminer S19, S19 Pro, T19, S19 J Pro for instructions on how to get the firmware. Go to brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Click the brains OS plus in the top menu, then click download now button and select Antminer X19 from the options. Also be sure to check out the research report on the impact of temperature on X19 efficiency, which you can find at the Brains blog. The S19J is coming soon, TM, along with general improvements for all X19 models and extending the support for more control board variations. The What's Minor M20s and M21s are also being upgraded soon, TM, to very soon, TM. Uh, Brains OS Plus runs from an SD card on X19, so it doesn't leave any traces on the hardware if you remove the SD card and therefore won't break the warranty. Very important for you miners out there. 
All you people who aren't miners, like, what the hell? Like, get into mining and figure it out. If you want to get unique insights on the Bitcoin mining industry, along with updates on Brains OS Plus, Stratum V2, and other Brains projects, check out the Brains blog at brains.com slash blog. And follow the lesser known at Brains underscore systems Twitter account, where the team is posting deep dive threads on various mining topics. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle, 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 Hoddle is here to bring you a non-custodial lending platform. It's a you know, so if you have Bitcoin, you need liquidity and you're comfortable with stablecoin liquidity, what you do is you put your Bitcoin up in a two or, th- two or three multi-sig escrow account on HODL HODL. You go to lend.hodlhodl.com to find this marketplace. You put your Bitcoin in this escrow uh, as collateral. You have one key, your counterparty in the, tr- the loan has a key and HODL HODL has the third key. This is beautiful. You don't have control. You can't move the sats in out of the wallet because I want to make any fucking sense for this loan agreement. However, since you have a key, you have visibility in the wallet, you know your stats aren't moving and being rehypothecated. As long as you're paying back your loan plus the interest associated with it, you're going to get your stats back at the end of that loan. Alternatively, if you have a bunch of stable coins laying around and you want to get yield on those, you can enter the other side of that marketplace. Uh, you put your stable coins up to a Bitcoiner using Bitcoin as collateral, looking for liquidity, you give them your stable coins and they pay you back plus interest. It's a beautiful thing. Go check all of it out at lend.hodlhodl.com. Last but not least, this rip was also brought to you by good friends at Bitcoin 2022. It's the largest Bitcoin event in the world and it takes place April 6th to the 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. All four days will be jam-packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and incredible lineup of Bitcoin speakers, artists, and leaders. Day one is industry day. For enterprising Bitcoiners who are looking to build a business or career within the ecosystem, days two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador President Nayib Bukele, who has promised a big surprise, a big surprise, as well as CEOs like Michael Saylor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, and hundreds more, including Marty Bent, CEO of TFTC.io. The conference caps off on the fourth day with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival, Sound Money Fest, headlined by rapper and fellow Bitcoiner, Logic. Steve Aoki is going to be there. If you like cake thrown in your face, I don't know why you would, but some of you do, you weirdos. Steve Aoki is going to be there and he's famous for throwing cake at people. CL, I don't even know who they are. Run the Jewels, San San Holo, Dead Mouse, who I do know, oldie but a goodie. And many more. Last year's conference sold out, and this year's is on pace to be three times larger. So make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late. Visit b.t slash conference to learn more. Pay in Bitcoin to save and use promo code TFTC for 10% off. And I will see you in Miami. I'll be on stage. Matt will be there. Uh, and we'll both be uh, doing a live rabbit hole recap as well. Again, b.tc slash conference. Use the code TFTC for 10% off. Enjoy this rip. It was a good one. I gotta go. I love all y'all. Thank you. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Where were you before? I was, well, I was living in New York and then we escaped to South Jersey. We lived at the Jersey Shore for almost two years in my in-law's house. Uh, they very graciously let us live in their vacation home. Oh, that's cool.
Yes. Save some money. Save some money. Let us move to Austin. I think we're live. So what's up, freaks? Back with Dave Column. You want me to go headphones? How's the audio? Sounds good to me. I'm not okay. hearing an echo either. Let's we'll skip on. it. Um, I, yeah, I got the headphones when I had a real problem with Zoom doing 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 echoes. Yeah. And we could. My IT guy could not figure out the problem. So. I think uh, I think we're good. There's no okay. there's no echo and. Okay. Well, I can flip them on if uh, if if one shows up. So here, I'll make sure they're fucking charged. All right. Well, there we go. How the hell have you been? It's been. Gosh, I think we I've caught been up. Okay, you know, as you pointed out so crassly that I dung a car this morning, which I post on Twitter, so I, I should expect you to respond. Um, it was this tiny, tiny, tiny little ping, but the guy said the problem is it's our, we rent our trucks, and so they got to return them without dings or something. I don't know. I mean, it was so small, not even positive I did it. You know what I was saying? <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, you know, I, I did it. I mean, I hit him. I was backing up using a blind spot. So. Are we, uh, should we be worried about you being behind the wheel now? Are we getting to that age? Uh, I think Is you it? should. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't think I've yet lost my marbles. I'm not, you know, Mr. Biden or anything. Um <laughs> But it's 66. You know, they say 70 is the new 60. Bullshit. That's bullshit. Maybe you can keep yourself in shape. I'm not even convinced of that. But um, but your brain just goes, right? I, I You know me. I, I think for 16 hours a day. I'm thinking all day long. That's my job. And if, if I'm not doing my job, I'm thinking about, you know, the Fed and shit like that. So, um, But in any event, so if this is my brain being exercised, I haven't only knows what would happen if I, if I sort of didn't think hard and didn't try to process, didn't try to write, didn't keep active. You know, my, my, my entire waking life is a Sudoku puzzle. So and that's, Oh, I am getting an echo now. So we might need the headphones, but that's what they tell you. As you get older, you gotta, you gotta keep your mind sharp. You gotta keep reading, you gotta keep doing all that. And then it's funny, um, seeing the, the president, the commander in chief and how, how far his brain has fallen. And you wondered, was he even doing anything to keep his mind going other than uh, sending his son to far off lands, the broker deals? You, you know, you know, the backstory, there's this phrase that the neurologists use. It's called when the air hits your brain, you're never the same. Uh, he had two aneurysms years ago. One, they were considered heroic recovery. So I think his marbles might be leaking out a man-made hole from his head. Biden had two aneurysms? Biden had two and supposedly, you know, oh, this is a fantastic recovery, all, all things considered. And um, so the air did hit his brain and he's not the same. So one, one could make the argument that he's he's um, he's uh, neurologically been, um, been accelerated into dementia. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather on my mom's side, my mom's father, he went through it. Very, very tough to go through. See so one of your your grandfather go through that and. Um, watch his wife and his family around him sort of be like, oh my God, pops lives in his mind. But Biden has a lot of tendencies that really remind me of my grandfather when he was going through that, mainly like lashing out. Uh, yeah, the anger. Yeah. yeah. Um, my mother had uh, several hub subdural hematomas, so she didn't lose her marbles per se, but the air hit her brain hard. And um, she reached a point where she was she had difficulty talking. She was happy that we're just sitting there chatting with my father, and she she could cope. But uh, you know, she was she was 
not all there. Yeah. No, another another sign. Remember during that uh, debate or town hall, whatever it was, and he just like stood there like this, clenching his fist. That was another sign. My right. grandfather used to do that. Like he'd sit in his chair just like this or like rub his hands together very aggressively. Reiner choked the chicken. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, I got tested because I was talking to a, to a colleague who had, uh, who had Parkinson's and I saw where the symptoms and he, and he, he says what they are. Oh, hmm. I, I might have a couple of those. So my handwriting's pathetic. And so I went and got tested and the guy, the tests are kind of clever. They're, they're not what you think they are. He had me walk to the end of the hall and walk back. And I figure he's watching my gate. And, had me draw this spiral thing that looks kind of like an at sign and and uh i figured he's looking at the quality of it so if he's he got to the end he said um he said when you draw the at sign if you have parkinson's you draw real small and if i point out that you do it real small you 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 know it but you don't know why you do it real small and when you write your name your name tapers it's a funny phenomenon mm-hmm. um he said when you walk to the end of the hall and back he said if you have parkinson's you you shuffle the turn you rotate it in several steps. He said, you got the end, just did a pirouette, came back. And he said, so you don't have, he says, you have essential tremors. And um, I, I wrote my name for him. And I said, yeah, my handwriting's always been bad. And he said, no, this is pathological, actually. Um, <laughs> that was his word, not mine. I go, you don't know how many times I hear that. Um, and I can't read my own writing now. It's gotten that but bad. Yeah, I still, you know, if I have to fill out a check or something, I, I sort of slow down and I relax. I can kind of do it, but I, I, I got to be, I got to be cautious. I got to, I got to be in very in, intent. You're still writing checks? And, uh, it's 2022. I still write checks. Yeah, no, no, 2022? Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, I still write checks. I, I'm not a big fan of the digital world, actually. I don't, I, I think it's, I think there's traps in it, that just psychological traps. People get complacent or yeah, I think you stop paying attention to the flow. Yeah. I think sometimes writing the check is a reminder. Yeah. It's funny. So I pay some bills spontaneously. So I, I, here's what I recommend your listeners do. Um, one of the great risks of having is having say a credit card that gets barnacles stuck to it. And, uh, you know, someone says, would you like a free trial? And you don't realize that the free trial is going to end with and Now you start paying. And, uh, so I got a, another credit card and started using that for optional stuff and then just left the other card sit there. And so that other card has now by default become the auto pay card. So if I have anything that's an auto pay, I put on that card so I can keep track of what is, my card is being pinged with. Um, you know, that, that I, uh, I go, oh shit, I should really get rid of that. So are you still there? there I am there, still I here. Want- yeah. We've been going back and forth and, uh, no, I'm very bad. Like I've got auto pays going and sometimes I'll check my bank. I'm like, why am I still paying for this? And then you forget to unsubscribe. Yeah, and that, that actually troubles me. And it really troubles me when my wife does because she really doesn't pay attention. And so there's, if she does auto pays, so I said, please, no prescriptions, not subscriptions, excuse me. There's the brain, right? Um, no subscriptions. Don't avoid those. Don't do those. Well, it's funny too. You said it, it makes you keep track. Writing checks does. And that's one thing you just sparked a memory in my mind. Like I remember my parent, you literally do the debits and credits in your, on the back of your check card or excuse me, your, um, your checkbook at the end of the day, like you have your beginning of the month balance and then you just use it. Yeah. That's my, that's my, I just keep this ledger. That's my checking account. Yeah. It's, 
there's nobody 30 years old doing that. Maybe there are a few people, yeah, I know. but there's, there's not many about of us. A, right. But there also is a lot who don't know how to save their to save their soul too. So I know you got the hodlers who are all rich now, but um, but the uh, but but I'm not I'm not sure it's particularly good generation at necessarily accruing wealth the old fashioned way by saving. Is that our generation's fault, or is that the system we've been thrust into? Oh, it's it's my generation's fault. We didn't raise you right. You didn't raise us right, or. There, we didn't the, raise your right. Yeah. The ability to save just doesn't exist. I guess that's the question. Where's oh, there's that too. There's that too. It's both. It's both. Yeah. So, so, so wealth creation is very hard to do now. Um, wealth accumulation is very hard to do. Um, and, you know, the, the inflation now is going to kill people. You know, remember when inflation was said not to exist? And of course, we knew it did. Mm-hmm. But we knew that it wasn't profound. Well, now, now it's pretty profound. And everyone would say, oh, inflation will be great. That'll basically negate my mortgage and this and that. And they didn't realize all the other things that go bad, all the things that go bad. And, and your mortgage isn't 75% of your budget and therefore the rest. And, you're, and you're, by the way, your bank account's not going to keep up. And if you have a low mortgage and then you want to move, you can't move because you've got a golden handcuff. Right, because if you're sitting there in a, in a house with a three percent mortgage and you got to move, and I'll say, "Oh, mortgages are now nine percent." Right? What are you going to do? You're going to get screwed. It's it's actually pretty jarring going to the grocery store these days. My wife, Barry, uh, we went together over the weekend. And I could not believe how expensive the bill was at the end. We had four bags, and it was many hundreds of dollars. It was yeah jarring. Um, just I, I kind of tend to keep track a little bit of things like the meats, mm-hmm. but I, I've got a diner I go to occasionally more often than I should. But boy, the price of that's gone sky high, and I know the guy's not cutting us. He just that's the cost of his input. It's gone crazy. Yeah, I mean, my parents uh, they run a coffee shop. My dad was telling me his raw materials, whether it be cups, the actual beans. The beans went up like twenty five percent. He does annual deals for the beans. Um, with his, with his now imagine you're some douchebag who signed a three-year contract for something cheap, you know, with a 2% inflation adjustment. What happens? If you're, if you're the seller in that case, it sucks. But if you, if you locked in that deal as the coffee shop owner, right. you'd be pretty happy but, right now. But your, your seller could, I got to see who I'm not going to answer the phone for. Oh, uh, it's Mitch Fierstein. Um, Mitch is Planet Ponzi on Twitter. He's a good follow, actually. He's, he's a great follow. He's, uh, follow. He just uh, he just wrote an article the other day on um, on COVID and vaccines and shit. Well, we're definitely going to get it. so this all plays together, right? COVID, right. the vaccines, the inflation. It's, it's all, all all fits together. One big hairy ass problem. Yeah, it's all fucked. What is the the crux of the problem? I would argue it's the kleptocrats trying to essentially plan what are complex systems, which is inherently impossible and hubristic right. to even attempt. They're emergent. They are emergent. Yes. And, uh, and so I keep having these debates. I was on a podcasty thing listening and the guy kept saying, you should speak up and not being a millennial. I can't find a way to speak up. It's the thing I'm going, I'm, I'm not, I don't have speaker authority. And I can't find a button to hit. And so I sent him a quick response saying, I don't know how to speak up. And, uh, but, but everyone was talking um, 
and such short-term thinking. So the markets have been going down. We know people get beaten up. They're all talking about, oh, I got to go to cash. And they're talking like, you know, and, you know, come, uh, come, uh, you know, April or something, then you buy. And I go, I go, dude, you know, if we're, if we're headed for what I think we're heading for, it'll become 2035 that you buy. 2035. Secular, right. secular, secular bear markets don't, don't go fast. No. And they, seems, they take a long time. So how do you see this playing out? If that, how would that scenario play out? A, a secular bear market? Um, the best model, and it's always dangerous using a model from the past because, you know, there's, there's no repeating in a, you, if, if at any point I make a joke about history rhyming, you should just put a bullet in my forehead because I hate that. I hate tripe phrases. You should invent your own. Um, but uh, I would say the 67 to 81 bear market mm-hmm. uh, is, is the model that, that I sort of anchor to. Uh, in from 67 to 81, uh, the market treaded water nominally. Um, you lost 75% inflation adjusted. And it took 14 fucking years. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. Wait, what, what to, what, Time's a killer. Why did it take so long? Though? Went, That's and, what bear markets do. That's what bear markets do. Right, the, they, they just oscillate around and wobble around and you think you're out. Look at Japan. Japan's yeah. on its, what, 30th year now? Yeah, they can. Yeah, it's the 32, 32nd, 33rd year. And, and you know, I've I given a podcast, so I feel like I should just tape record one and just feed it into the podcast, although I think you and I will get into shit that we shouldn't talk about. Um, but uh, but if you started buying the Nikkei at the top, forget it. The guy who owned it at the top in 89, mm-hmm. the guy died broke. Right? Yeah. The guy died totally screwed. If he was 55, he's now 87, 88, and he's worth half what he was nominally, right? What kind of what kind of 30-year period is that? So let's say you say, oh, yeah, but you know, you average in and blah, 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 blah. So, okay. So I, I was doing a podcast with Chris Irons one day, and and I said, look, I'd like to know how long, what happens if you average into the Nikkei starting in 89. And some guy took the bait ran the spreadsheet and said, here you go. Dave sent me an email and said, here, here's the Nikkei. It takes you 18 years to break even. If you start buying in 89 and you average in thousand bucks or, you know, 10,000 yen or whatever you want to do per month, takes you 18 years to break even. That's insane. That's a bear market. There's periods in history. So I've got a plot that I made. There's periods in history where, where the market treads water, inflation adjusted, not, Everyone loves to say, how long did it take to get from this peak to recovered? That's not the number because almost without fail, those peaks, they get returned to again. So you recover, you go up and then you come back down and you kiss that line again. There are five of those in the 20th century where if you go from the peak and you extrapolate straight across, I should go this way. I'm in reverse here, dude. Um, you extrapolate across, you say, when was the last time that we hit the 1929 price? When was the last time we hit inflation adjusted? You want to take a guess? I mean, 1929 would be my guess, but. No, the last time. No. So after 29 tanks, yeah. and, then it, and then it recovers, then it tanks some more and blah, blah, blah. When was the last time that the inflation adjusted price was identical? When did it never look back? When was oh, the last date? When you get back to the high water mark. What? Yeah, when you get back to high water mark and don't look back from that point on, you never return to it. When was the last time? 
Got back to the high watermark much later in life. What do you think it was? 90s? I don't know. 81. 81? No. I should have known. A guy, um, guy named Ed McQuarrie did the analysis for equities from, uh, I can't remember the exact date, probably was the, uh, the bubble of the South Seas. He said, he said the market treaded water. Inflation adjusted, which there wasn't much, till 1974. That's crazy. Well, what it means is back then, right. What it means is back then, equity capital gains were not even consequential. You bought the equities for the revenue. Now, here's what's important about that. That's reality. You're saying, I'm buying this equity, and if this is a good fucking company, they're going to write me big dividend checks. If they're a bad company, they're going to write me small dividend checks. I could buy their bonds, which, by the way, bonds and stocks tie each other over the long term, with one exception. There's a post-war period where if you take out that post-war period, the World War II period, a couple decades, if you take out that one period, equities and stocks tied each other. During that period, they appeared to have done a financial repression in which they jammed the rates of bonds down to pay off post-war debt. So they threw it on the backs of savers. Oh, excuse me, this is sounding familiar. What, 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 what is this again here, right? And bonds, bonds got clobbered. But the, the remaining 175 years that he considers, equities, equities and bonds produce the same. Why is that so relevant? Because for years I've always thought there can't be a net positive gain on equities. A free market would, would arbitrage that away, right? Mm-hmm. If I said, look, I can guarantee you Ethereum is going to make more than Bitcoin over the next 10 years. What are you going to own? You're going to own Ethereum. If you can guarantee it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they say. They say, mm-hmm. look, equities always return more than bonds. So if that's really true, you're going to bid up equities till they don't return more than bonds. So the free market will adjust them. So I always said, look, what must be happening is that they're not looking at it right and that equities always be bonds, but not exactly always. And then, bam, you hammer them. And there's your arbitrage right there. Yeah. yeah so the, and they, that is what happens. That is what happens. Yeah, they end up at the same end point. But between then, you can, you can play the fr- fluctuations. Right. Buffett, and here's up. one. You know, I'm, I'm a, just a fountain of, of, of shit here. Uh, Buffett did a detailed analysis. Um, I got shit all over my fucking mouse. Buffett did a detailed analysis of um, bull and bear markets in 1999. And he said that, look, bottom line, if you want to know whether you're going to have a bull market or a bear market, it has nothing to do with the economy. It has nothing to do with any of that shit. It has to do with the direction, long-term direction of interest rates. Said so the bear market from 67 to 81 rates went up. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you had a massive bear market. And from 81 to 99, rates went down. And therefore, you had a bull market. He says, the rest is noise. It's all about expanding valuations, contracting valuations. And he said the economy from 67 to 81 was better than the economy from 81 to 99. But that doesn't matter. So we are in the middle. Of, we're not in the middle. We are at the what has to be the tail end of a secular bull market in bonds. It's been 40 years. It feels People that say, well, it's got to be, or it's zero. Right. <laughs> There's not a lot of place to go. So if, if, um, so if for 40 years we've had a tailwind, you know, at some point that's going to turn into a headwind. 
It has to, mm-hmm. right? Especially now inflation's here. So this inflation should scare people more than normal because we've got Fed governors who are idiots mm-hmm. who don't know what inflation really means. They think they have control. And they, they think they're driving the car in the grocery store. And uh, As is evidenced by their proclamation that this is just transitory. We know this. Actually, well, you know, the big number could be, but we still have an inflation problem. Oh, yeah. Let's say it drops to five, right? That's a big. Paul Volcker said, if you think 2% is tame, you're dreaming. Paul Volcker said that. Yeah. And that's, well, that's the whole weird thing about the inflation target in and of itself. The Fed's mandate is what? To create price. (laughs) Exactly. Zero. Part of their mandate is price stability. 2%. The fuck is with you? You got to put me on reverse screen. My, okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, um, so, uh, and, and Buffett, by the way, said in his 99 article that uh, valuation aside, valuation aside, you can't expect more than 4%. Just annualized returns? Total return. Yeah. Total return. Yeah, total return. Not, not capital gains. Capital gains. Capital gains in the 20th century were 2.1. And one of the reasons they were 2.1 rather than zero, like that previous 175 years, is because we decreased the dividend by a factor of two. So dividends at the turn of the century were hovering in the four zone pretty routinely, and now they're, they're more like two. So we have decided that we would rather take our profits in the form of capital gains. So now we're treating companies that, that used to be a source of revenue, now we're treating them as like little money management funds. Yes. So they've got their revenue, they've got their this, but also what do you do with the money? Okay, I'm investing in you guys to take care of the money. And it's created a clown world stock market where... Because they're giving the money to themselves. <laughs> That's what they're doing. One time, you know, after, after the 0809 crash and Goldman had a good, good year, good quarter, whatever, and they gave themselves big bonuses. And the idiots on CNBC, they're not all idiots. I know a couple on there who I really like. But they said, well, what else are they going to do with the money? And I go, how about give a dividend right. to the owners of the company? It doesn't seem, it seems like dividends have fallen off a cliff in terms of popularity. Nobody talks about them. At least when Well, people- we've been sold this bill of goods. This bill of goods is that dividends are tax unfriendly. First of all, most of our money is inside retirement accounts. And so tax unfriendly loses meaning in there. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that but when in the olden days, if a company paid, let's say uh, company X, let's say the tobacco companies said, we're going to, we got a lot of cash on the balance sheet. We're going to do a one-off dividend of uh, 7%. Something used, they were up at 12% when I bought them. I was, buying, I was getting 12% dividends. Um, but let's say I say we're going to have a one-time dividend of 10% or 12% to the owners. The day that that, uh, there's a term for it, I, this, I'm drawing a blank on, but the day that dividend gets paid and no longer does an owner um, get that dividend, the price drops 12%. Because they just <laughs> paid out 12%. Makes so, sense. so it's like saying, okay, your bank account's worth a thousand, but we're going to give someone we're going to give you from that bank account a hundred bucks. Well, someone else owns that bank account too. And it's after that is the bank account's now worth 900. So why would they not want to pay dividends? Well, because they all get compensated in stock options. 
So they want all of the gains in the capital gains because their stock options are tied to gains. If we pay, if they pay out every penny of profit to dividends, their stock options are worthless. That makes their sense. options would expire worthless for 175 years. So all these, all these boards are incentivized to not do dividends yeah. because that reduces the value yeah. of their stock. And to pump the shares and do all sorts of crazy crap. Yeah. Buybacks. Yeah. Whatever it may Buybacks, be. Buybacks. Exactly. Right. Let's buy back shares at PE of 40, right? There's a, <laughs> there's a bottom PE. Now, now, they've incentivized the buybacks by virtue of the fact that in the olden days, let's say in, let's say in 81, a company loved cash because in 81, the company could take the cash and put it in, a, in an, an account and get you know, 15% yield. So in 1981, if some company owed you money, it took a long time to get paid back. They put the brakes on those paybacks as much as they could because every goddamn month that it was sitting in their account, not yours, they got 1%. Man. And so uh, so now, so then would you take a 15% paying account and buy back shares? No. 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 Because you can't, yeah. And by the way, right. So what happened in Japan, the Nikkei? Well, the Nikkei became a land speculation bubble and companies forgot that their job was to create wealth and they started basically speculating in real estate. Well, how much does the, the Japanese demographic situation come into play? That's a problem. That's yeah. a problem. But yeah. ours is too. The, the entire Western world has that problem. They're just ahead of us. Yeah, birth rates are We all falling. have that problem. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. It's scary. There's probably a few banana republics or not, but you want to invest in a place... See, I have a position in Russia. It's a very small position. It looks really cheap. The problem is the Russians haven't convinced me that they are going to figure out capitalism. And what? so you can buy, yeah, take a look at Gazprom. Take Not a look at Gazprom. Um, this gigantic, you know, Exxon size Russian energy company has a P of about four, has a pretty big dividend. It's a good buy. And if, you, if you're willing to say, hey, no one's going to steal the company. We're not going to bomb the shit out of all the refineries, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great buy. But they also don't know how to, they don't know how to run a capitalist system. I, I say we don't either at this point, but, but they really don't. We definitely don't. They don't either. But Gazprom specifically is in a good situation right now with what's going on in Europe and their energy crisis. Right. Right. That's, that's what I've been focused on pretty heavily the last year is the energy sector and this weird color revolution that has been uh, thrust on that sector where the decommissioning of reliable energy sources base load, whether it be natural gas, coal, nuclear, in favor of a very unreliable uh, energy generation sources. Solar, wind. Yeah, yeah it's, right. It, it's, it seems... Like we're in the midst of a controlled demolition, not only in the energy sector, but in the financial economy. And it looks like it's on purpose. Right? Are, yeah. we, cons- are we conspiracy? Uh, well, yes, we, we are. are cons- we are conspiracy theorists. We've already determined By the way, that. Wear, that with, wear that with honor. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Wear conspiracy theorists badge with honor. I, if you don't think men and women of wealth and power conspire, you're just an adult. <laughs> you're just an idiot. But it, right. uh, if you if you think a fact checker is actually fact checking facts for you, you're you're a special kind of stupid. Yeah, Snopes is uh, 
here to protect you. But it is or, weird. Or PolitiFact, Reuters has a fact checker. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all under the thumb of of authoritarian states. He the, the authoritarian states and the corporate press has done a good job of if you just look uh, like we do at what's going on, whether it be the, the decommissioning of reliable energy sources, the printing of money, ex nihilo, the uh, stripping of civil liberties. It seems like there's a control. Totally. Uh, demolition then you say who's doing it you say the davos class like look at all the connections that are going on and then they they always ask who's they and you try to point them out and you say you're crazy they would never coordinate so uh, this year my write-up i addressed the question of they it's an interesting one i've been on the zoom call with a bunch of doctors Mm -hmm. and these are guys who are are down their first rabbit hole they're anti-vax doctors and they invite in all the anti-vax big guns. And if, if you're, if you are uh, an anti-vax, highly attentive person, if you, if you know the, the McCulloughs and the and Malones of the world, every last one of these guys has been on this call at one time or another, mm-hmm. uh, including Robert Kennedy, including, by the way, here's one for you. Here's one for your readers. If you do one thing this year, one thing, read Robert F. Kennedy's book, the real Anthony Fauci. Yeah, I saw you tweeting it, it out is, a few weeks ago. If I can, it, it, the best thing I can do to change the world is to get people to read that book. You won't get two chapters in before you projectile vomit. How how bad is it? I haven't I haven't dove into it yet. It's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's 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 the most transformational book I've ever read. Um. There's sort of two extreme possibilities that you have to accept. There's no in-between. You either have to believe that Kennedy is a psychopathic liar and that he is about to get sued into total bankruptcy because he names names, quotes people, cites cites references, documents references, whole enchilada of he's making that shit up. He's in a world of trouble. And he tells horror stories. Or... Uh, Fauci is Dr. Mengele, except on a very grand scale. Yeah, a and there's no scale. in between. There is no in between. If, if there's someone who read this book and thinks it's just baloney, send me an email, dbc6 at cornell.edu. Uh, it's on my website. It's on Cornell Chemistry website. You can find it. If, if you've read this book and you think it's just garbage, send me an email. Right now, it's sitting at 10,000 10, evaluations. That's a lot. Harry Potter doesn't get 10,000. And it's sitting at a 4.8 star count, despite the fact that there's a bunch of one stars at the bottom that clearly did not read the book. How so ho- it's basically pure how, five star. How horrible. Like, like, can we, would, would you be you want some to, examples? Yeah, let's dive in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll spill my guts. Yeah, let's spill the guts. Because like the fact that Fauci's still like leading this response. <laughs> Fauci should be in leg irons. And then convicted. And then hung from the neck until dead. Yeah. It's that simple. Is that bad? It's way worse. He, he, he has killed, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, millions. It's that bad. And it started with the AIDS crisis, right? Yeah. And that part I didn't know about so much. I'd heard little hints of it, but I, I really didn't know much about it. Um, so what Fauci did was he, he's this narcissistic, petty tyrant 
who took over a fairly sleepy division at NIH called NIAID, mm-hmm. infectious disease. And, and no one seemed to think there was any future for this. So this is a backwater division that somehow he got control of. And then when the AIDS crisis showed up, he was able to get control of the AIDS money because of the HIV source of AIDS was became an infectious disease issue. And then the money started flowing in. Now, here's the deal. This is the part that I would have said, ah, oh, you're full of shit. But, but he documents it like there is no tomorrow. And so here's where it's going to sound like I've gone off the ledge. Um, there apparently is a serious controversy over whether HIV is the cause of AIDS. Now, it's not to say that HIV isn't part of the story. But a lot of people, including the guy who won the Nobel Prize for Iceland HIV, think it's not the cause of AIDS. Walter Gilbert, founder of Genentech, thinks it's not the cause of AIDS, right? This, this reminds me of the climate change story, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens is he commandeers all the money because often the AIDS thing. And, 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 and then what happens is he somehow manages to piss off the gay community because he's, he's doing shit wrong. And then all of a sudden he realized, oh, I got to have him on my side. And so he does all sorts of things to bribe him to, to support him. So the first AIDS drug you guys may recall is AZT. So when the story breaks about HIV, even uh, Luc Montagnier, who's the, um, who's the guy who won the Nobel Prize for it, uh, was a little baffled by it because AIDS is uh, HIV is what's called a retrovirus. Retro, I think it gets its name. I was a genetics major, but I don't remember much. <laughs> I think retroviruses are, are these really antiquated things. Your body has something like a hundred thousand of them, so they go so far back. These are not things coming out of bat caves. These have been with us for billions of years. And as soon as it came out, the virology community was rather astonished because they're going, dude. We know of no lethal retrovirus. These are just symbiotes that live in our system. There's 100,000 of them, and all of a sudden, this one is killing everybody? What's that all about? And so Fauci gets a hold of this, and Fauci realizes this is a path to riches. And so he and Gallo, who apparently is quite a piece of work, Gallo won the Nobel Prize so badly, they latch onto the HIV story. What happens is Fauci shuts down every last penny of research into anything but the HIV story. And he tells stories like this guy named uh, Dusing, who was a, an elite, considered top of the food chain virologist at Berkeley, who came out and said, no, th- this is not it. This is not the source of AIDS. There's no way in here are the five reasons why. And, and he, he basically takes Fauci to task. Dusing um, had funded... Uh, 31 NIH grants in a row. Now, I one time did the math. I funded 21 in a row. And statistically speaking, that was one in 10 to the 13th probability. So add another 10 on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. 10 to the, another, another 0.2 to the 10th power times that. So we're at the 20 zeros, right? Dusing never got another penny. Fauci took him behind the barn and shot him. Um, Kerry Mullis went against him. And what he got, he got demonized. It's the PCR so test. So the guys who went against, yeah, and so so everyone who defied Fauci got destroyed, and it, the message became immediately obvious: do not defy this guy. Mm-hmm. And so it was a Darwinian selection moment. So that it turns out the ones who were willing to sign off 
stayed alive and the ones who were not had their careers destroyed. And so the AZT trials, um, AZT is a sort of a random, I think it's the DNA terminator. Um, the thing just chops the shit out of DNA. This is not some surgical device. A A A A AZT was a profoundly failed chemotherapy. It, it, it is so blunt ended tool. And it was, you know, when you, when you kill a tumor, you hope to kill the tumor faster than the person in its race. Well, AZT was a loser. Mm -hmm. He gets onto the AZT and he starts doing clinical trials. He didn't just bias them. He completely faked them. Complete fabrication. So they're doing things like they unblinded it. They start assigning to dead guys to the, to the control group and the guys that are surviving to the regular group. The AZT recipients were getting blood transfusions to keep them alive to get them to the end of the trial. Holy shit. This, so it, it's just a horrible story. So if you look at Fauci's history, I think the estimates 14, he did clinical trials of various things on 14,000 inner city black foster kids, 14,000. These kids would be getting some drug. And of course there's no one there to protect them. Mm -mm. And these kids would not want to take the drug because you're going every time I take the drug by, you know, by lunchtime, I'm vomiting and I'm, you know, I'm hurling. I can't stand this. So they'd insert feeding tubes first down their throat and the kids would pull that out. So they inserted it in their abdomen. 14,000 kids and they were dying. And, and no, no one's checking this. This Everybody no talks about the Tuskegee trials, yep. but this same is thing, same thing. Same exact thing. Worse. No. Worse, worse. Children. And, uh, children, same thing in Africa. I knew the African story. I knew that Gates had left a swath of destruction in Africa. Um, but I always said, you know, okay, so you, you tried and it didn't work and I get it. And, and, you know, the fact that Africa has this seed equality because we know they went there instead of uh, Westchester County for good reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, but... But if you read Fauci's, if you read Kennedy's book, I do not believe you could possibly get more than a couple chapters in without being truly appalled by it. Truly appalled. And, and I was on a Zoom call with Kennedy. He had an army of fact checkers. He said, I've got so many fact checkers because if we get anything wrong, they're coming at me so hard. And, uh, and you know, I've had people say, oh, Kennedy's a loon. I go, you think maybe he's a loon because he went at this bastard for years? And that the, the media machine was turned on him. And maybe that's why he's alone. I mentioned Montagnier, the Nobel Prize winner to a colleague. He said, well, he's kind of nutty. And I said, are you sure? Is it possible? It's because he said that this is not how AIDS is working. And the AZ now, I'm not saying AIDS is real. Absolutely AIDS is real. But, but the question is how? And, and so they, they discovered these proteins that were appearing, I, I can't remember, in, in cells. They said, this is, this is a key puzzle piece right here. This is it. Major players are saying, this is it. Not a penny was committed to studying that. So once Fauci signed on to, a, once Fauci signed on to HIV, nothing but HIV got a penny of research. 
Sounds similar to what happened with uh, treatments, preventative treatments for COVID. That's right. That's right. So I'm optimistic that we're going to hang Fauci at some point. I'm, (laughs) I'm, I think this story is, um, is going to, I just read an article this morning. The Japanese are doing clinical trials on ivermectin. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. We know Fauci stepped on ivermectin. We know it. And hydroxychloroquine. And hydroxychloroquine. And now they're stepping on the the the, the, the uh, monoclonal antibodies, and that seems Holy purely political, moly. right? And it's only in Florida pure, too. Pure right? politics. Right? So, so my retort, my question is: What do you do with someone? What do you do with a person who knowingly, knowingly shut down a treatment that could have turned this pandemic into a flu problem? I, 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 mean, I think there has to be very you serious consequences. Them. You <laughs> hang them. No. You hang them. You execute them. You crimes against humanity put them in some plexiglass thing, testimony after testimony, then you put a bullet in their forehead. I don't, I don't know why. That's what you do. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like that's, especially after the Kennedy book, I haven't read the Kennedy book yet, but I've, I've, I've listened to, you, you know, owe it to yourself. I will read it. I've listened so we're to We're going to try to talk the, the Dr. Zoom group. We're going to try to talk Kennedy. Kennedy doesn't get a penny. It goes into his fight the douchebags charity. Mm-hmm. Um, someone came up with the idea to get him to, put out the first two or three chapters in PDF free. I'm going, Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. People will buy the book. Just but I, I, tell you, yeah, I had a friend who's a, who's a very doubting physicist. He's one of these guys who doesn't take golf. You put out some number. He says, yeah, but that number is this blah, blah, blah. He'll, he'll torch it fast if he can. Mm-hmm. And he's a hundred pages in. And he says to me, he says, if what Kennedy says is half, right. The only solution is a rope. <laughs> Well, how, how has everybody become so enamored with this gentleman? I mean, he's the hero. People are making action because, figures of him. Because, because they control the media 100%. Brought to you by Pfizer. Is he in the Brought to you with- by Pfizer. Brought to you by Gates Foundation. The media would be bankrupt if Gates wasn't dumping hundreds of millions into the media to keep their budget. That's a good point. Like, so is there... Co- coordination Gates, between Pfizer Gates, Gates owns all the scientific journals. Gates owns the scientific scientific journals. So, like, so are we- nature and science and Lancet <laughs> are all living off money from the Gates Foundation. So are we at a point in history where we truly have Bond-like villains completely yep. uh, fucking up the world? So in my annual Tome of Doom, it not only took a long time to write, I uploaded part three yesterday for a year in review, January uh, uh, 2030th or whatever is not exactly timely, um, was the final section on rise of authoritarianism. Um, it looks unstoppable to me. I, I, I have this, there's a lot of reasons why, but I have this one thesis of many that it's possible that, 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 authoritarianism became an unstoppable force the day the internet went live. Which is I've always said, well, my theory is that the internet's both that our, our democracy's greatest hope because we can talk to each other mm-hmm. and, and it's greatest risk because they can control it. And guess what? 2020 and 2021 showed us they can control it. I just, just talked to a colleague. So here's a colleague, smart guy, incredibly smart guy, PhD, my age chemist colleague. And he was spouting off about how he hates the anti-vaxxers. I said, but what's the problem? You're vaccinated. You're safe. Now, I don't believe that. 
But that is the argument you would have to make, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he didn't have a comeback. So here's a, a smart guy who doesn't see the paradox. Yeah, and I had a uh, guest on Friday, Tucker Max, and he he made this really good thing. Hit one of his uh, ways in which to have people like have an aha moment is asking like, "What would you need to see to to stop getting more boosters? To not be afraid of real the- numbers, the real numbers, the real numbers. If you knew how many people were dying." We'd stop them. I mean, it seems like an inordinate amount of people. It was just the, the athletes alone. Yes. The, the athlete had yeah, the soccer alone. player. Just the soccer players. Just yeah. the soccer players, even. Yeah. Last count, I, I've stopped paying attention because it's just getting old. Uh, Three hundred eighty-seven soccer players keeling over. Yeah, and so soccer. Obviously, soccer is one of the most popular sports in the world. Arguably, the most popular sport in the world. And so that's like, all right, maybe there's a lot of people who play soccer. It's pretty. Um, yeah, except for it's five times the norm. And well, that, and then, so my sister's a mountain biker, and she's been following this guy in the mountain biking community. He went a bit viral uh, a few months ago because he I came out. That. He came out. He had to retire because he got myocarditis. And in the, so, when you compare soccer to mountain biking, mountain biking is a pretty niche sport with a relatively small community compared to the the Should, global. Shouldn't be too many of those, right? Well, no, and but the thing is, he he himself in the mountain bike community had six friends who committed suicide for getting myocarditis and not be able being able to continue their career. That was their life. That was their life. Yes, and that's six in a very niche sport in mountain biking like that. That. You talk about 5X on the soccer field. I can't imagine right. what it was. In. I know a lot of people who say, I know X number of people who've been hurt by the vaccine. Yeah. Statistically, you know, if only 2,000 have died, it's funny because just from my sphere of friends, we can probably name 100. Same. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. It's weird that everybody's marching into it and keep going and doubling down and tripling down. It's a massive sunk cost fallacy that, like friends, family, normies, if you will. With people so I was I folks. was at a friend's house the other day. Guy sold me my dog, and he, he made passing reference to his mother-in-law, and I said, "Tell me about that." And he said, "Oh yeah, she got the second vaccination, and." Uh, and and she's now basically crippled. We had to move her out of her house into a, a one-story house because she couldn't do the stairs. You know, I, I, this just shouldn't be happening. Now, the problem with the the, the one mountain biker is 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 it's anecdotal, and the, the problem. You know, I could identify if I have some psoriasis that flared up. Maybe maybe that's caused by the vaccine, but it's way too anecdotal. Well, but all these anecdotes equal data, right? I, I know. And when you've got, you know, 18 year olds dying of heart attacks and stuff, you go, oh boy, not many of those anecdotes are needed. Uh, and, and what you also know is that the authorities are never going to tell us the numbers. They're never going to tell us the numbers. It's guaranteed. What do you think it is at that level, the authorities? Do you think they're scared of the repercussions and the blowback if they do disclose the numbers? Or do you think there's some. You mean nefarious- like we go and beat them to death with Louisville sluggers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be one. Well, do you think there's nefarious um, intent behind all this? Well, there has to be. How nefarious? So the question I've been asking is, uh, there's two layers. One is money, just sociopathic quest for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, for those who are 
here's here's I've had various benchmarks along the way that have told me how sick the story is. Um, the lockdown made total sense to me. Flatten the curve made sense. You know, as I said in my write up, you know, the hardest part about a 12 day lockdown is the first 12 months. Um, <laughs> and then it morphed into the we got to wait for the vaccine. I go, whoa, 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 T.O. I didn't sign off for that. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't get to choose. So they released the vaccine in December of 2020. Within a week, the FDA, and I checked, is uh, encouraging pregnant women to get vaccinated. And so since fucked. then, I've seen heads of, or, uh, of, of pediatric societies, heads of uh, gynecological societies and stuff saying the vaccine is safe in April of 2021. They're pathological liars. There literally not was snowball. not enough time. To there literally was not enough time. There was one study that got obliterated because they were they were, they included third trimester pregnancies, and and so they they you know but but some they, there there was no information. And these guys said this. I go, do they understand how sick they are? Do they understand that if 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 I so so they incur if do they understand? We don't know if we've sterilized a generation of young women. No. We don't know. You, you can say, oh, yeah, we do. We'd know by now. No, thalidomide took five years to figure out. No, we would not know, especially if the authority's job is to make sure we don't goddamn find out. Well, I mean, I so here, here's, the, here's the other benchmark. So what is it? A month ago, Lena Wen. Fuck that I will girl. not say she's tied to the CCP, but her family is. And uh, Lena Wen is the, the mouth of, of COVID now. Once, once Fauci became sketchy, so they, Fauci's, they know Fauci's not very valuable. They know when he opens his mouth, it triggers more hatred than anything at this point. But Lena Wen triggers it from T equals zero. She, 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 she was like uh, one of these people where you go, oh, my God, I hate you already. Right? Where did just, she come just, from? You know, why why well, are we? Okay, I wrote about that. So Lena Wen came from China as a teenager, I think, you know, 10-ish, something like that. And so she you go, well, to Stanford early or something like that. Yeah, it could be. Um, she, um, she's got all these accolades, you know, America's hundred most prominent, this 50 most prominent that women in science, blah, 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 Harvard medical school, you name it. So I go, okay, she's got the creds. So then I said, but what did she do to get famous? Is this Paris Hilton? What the fuck is going on? So I find her resume and there's a bunch of stuff she's written. It's popular press shit. And then there's some non-referee shit. And I, the people who say if it's not refereed, it's not true, or you don't know, that's bullshit. Even refereed papers can suck balls. I, I'm an, I was an editor for 20 years. If, if someone is saying, arguing against something because it's, it's not refereed or arguing for something because it is refereed, they don't know what they're talking about. When I ask someone to referee a paper, they probably get it. And they either spend a couple hours some afternoon reading and say, yeah, sure, whatever, I'm fine. I got to get back to work. Or they hand it to one of their first year grads and say, read this, write a referee report, and then they submit that. that that's refereeing. That happens a lot. So there's nothing about refereeing. That, it's not some, you know. It's not ironclad. Still of approval. Yeah, it's, it's not the gold standard of anything. Um, and so, uh, but unrefereed ones seem like they're not, they're not science, right? So the scientific papers, at least they will be refereed. Um, so I, I, I went to the referee papers and the numbers are okay. 
And I'm going, okay, I don't know what to expect out of a med school professor, but the numbers are. So I start reading them. They're garbage. <laughs> They're garbage. They're things like the layout of, of the ER in St. Louis General Medical's ER room. I mean, they are like someone is just making shit up. To fill They're not resume. an analysis. They're just garbage. And so what, what it looks to me, and so where are they published? Well, they're published in journals that Bill Gates gives money to. So here's what I suspect is going on. I suspect they said, we've got to build this woman a resume. She was head of Planned Parenthood for about six months. Now, how does, how does that happen? And then one day I'm watching a video and she's standing, she's with not Chuck Todd, the other one. Um, I can't remember his name, but Justice Promet. No, not as disgusting. Stephanopoulos. Um, no, the guy's, but, but you'd recognize him right away. So he's mm -hmm. interviewing her about the Boston Marathon bombing. I go, whoa, that just got weird. Right. Let's go out. Let's go get an interview of her about the Oklahoma bombing. Let's get her uh, some 9-11 footage, right? Let's do the whole enchilada while we're at it, right? And, uh, and she's winging it. You can see she doesn't know what she's talking about. And you can also see it's in front of a green screen and the people standing behind them aren't real. You can tell it's a green screen thing. And, and I'm going, holy shit, this woman is just a front person for something. Yeah, she's a manufactured doctor. She's <sighs> a manufactured doctor. She's probably got her degree and stuff like that. But, but, but she has been, it's like related case john Kerry comes back from vietnam what a coincidence he gets to testify yeah. to congress next thing you know he's a presidential candidate right mm -hmm. it's like okay john Kerry's in prep school we got to get him some creds what do they do well i gotta send him to vietnam don't let him get hit don't let him get hit and then we'll come back we'll build a lefty by the way the guy sitting next to him in the prep school photo is bob Mueller. <laughs> uh, we're gonna make him a we're gonna make him a right winger Let's give him some creds, right? This one senior class, like 25 kids. And that's and, kind of against each other. Yeah, that's getting a little yeah, weird. Maybe. So um, so I would say that um, the, the push to vaccinate was so unscientific. They didn't even do it on animals. They didn't test it on animals. Not only was it not scientific, I mean, it goes against any... Uh, guidelines that humanity's followed in the past. Mainly, you don't vaccinate. I'm going to get coffee. I got headphones. We can keep talking. You can go to just a full screen for you, but I'm getting coffee. <laughs> during a pandemic, um, during a pandemic, you're not supposed to vaccinate, right? And when, there, when there's an outbreak, correct? Well, that's what they say, but I'm not qualified to know. They talk about vaccinating into a pandemic causing uh, basically um, what I think is sort of a virulent population genetics pressure. Mm -hmm. Where what you do is you select for the most the most durable strains and you kill off the weaker ones and I don't know if that model's correct even though I know smart guys who say it is, um, but um, but the, but even Fauci admitted the uh, the uh, the ADE the I can't remember these acronyms this is what old age is about but the. <laughs> The, the the enhancement the, mm -hmm. the, the, the basically the, the allergic reaction to the to the to the pathogen 
Um, Fauci even admitted that was a possibility. Then the other day, about a month ago, so Lena Wen's out there and she all of a sudden starts telling us that masks don't work. Yeah, it's dirty cloth on your face. What are you doing? You, you fucking whore. I, I, <laughs> you've been telling us to put these rags on our face for two years. And now you say they're just facial decoration. That was her phrase, facial decoration. They don't work and get an N95, KN95 mask. And then the CEO of Pfizer comes out and he says, I could quote him if you want. I'll go find it right now. But he says, the vaccines don't work very well, if at all, he said. <laughs> and then he said, but the booster helps. I mean, if at all is a quote. What's the difference? So we got the same window of time. They're telling us the masks don't work. The vaccines don't work. And here's, here's the problem. Most people say, oh. Well, I have to upgrade my mask and get a booster. And I should say, I go, oh, I've got to get a gun. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it is like, it's scary. Like the, the, the court. Well, it's like scary that people are so fucking stupid. If you're listening to this and that doesn't piss you off, you have been lobotomized already. You're a lost cause. Like how, yeah, exactly. Like, like what's the difference between the booster and the vaccine? Number one, number two. Nothing. It's the same thing. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. And like, <laughs> how many before you're like, all right, are you going to get it every six months? Are you going to get it every six weeks? Like, I think that. And, the, and the Israelis showed the fourth one does nothing. And then you look at the data and they have all time high in cases, all time high in deaths. Most, Except if you look at data that we get fed. So in the good old United States of America, we get fed different data. Well, and there's, if someone said, you know, the response can't be different in these different countries. This is crazy. So, um, <laughs> So the other thing is, um, so the whole narrative is batshit. There's nothing about this that's sane. Now, I'm, I was supposed to go on Fox News. Oh, boss. Tucker? No. Um, no, Fox and Friends or something. But then it turns out there were supposed to be several others. It's going to be like a three-minute slot. What can you do in three minutes? It's just, it's just click shit. That's all it is. So I wasn't thrilled by it, but I was going to do it. And then they canceled the whole thing because one of the others bailed. And I said, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't go to a protest, so I can't talk about the protest. So they said, fuck it. They were going to have to drive a mobile studio to Ithaca. And, but then about 30 minutes later, I get asked to do a spot on Newsmax on exactly the same topic. I'm going, oh, this Newsmax is Fox's farm club then. Mm -hmm. Right? That wasn't a coincidence. And so next week, no, this week, excuse me, this week, I'm, I'm supposed to do a 10-minute spot on Newsmax. And I, unless they've got, they brought a crowd, I have 10 minutes well, knowing you, to you, pitch the story. You, you're going to have to tighten it up. Knowing you. you oh, I can it. tighten it up. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be Read Kennedy's book, read Kennedy's book, read Kennedy's book. And then Those get, are my three bullets. And then get the rope. So, no, no, I got to be more careful on a network. Okay. Um, although Newsmax is barely a network in some people's eyes. Um, so so the, the point being is um, I also have to say that late in the cast so that if they cut me off, they don't cut off 9.9 .9 minutes out of 10. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and, you know, they want to talk about mandates on campuses. And what I can tell you is that the, the campus mandate, it is a complicated story. And here's what the university is up against. And I don't have any inside information, so I can't tell you which of this story is true. I can only tell you what I can concoct from this 
And that is first and foremost, um, university takes possession of 18 year olds, puts them out the other end into adulthood, this 22 year olds. And we charge serious money and we have two, two, two charges. One is educate them. And the second is get them to adulthood with all their fingers and toes. Mm-hmm. And when we lose a kid, that's a problem, right? We lost one. And that's, that's, that is, that is not a win. Um, so that's the first problem. Second, the second problem is that with this vaccine, uh, uh, they could be getting pressure. It could be coming in from Albany, where where uh, Governor Hochul, who is a loser, that demon uh, could be that demon. Yeah, I want Cuomo back. Um, <laughs> right? Who would have thought? Right? It? Yeah, who would have thought it? Right? She's, I'll take Hillary over Kamala. Right? Who would have thought it? Right. Um, but uh, but but so so Albany could be applying pressure, and Cornell gets money from the state, of course, because half. Cornell is kind of a state funded school. So if the pressure starts, you don't say screw you. It could be coming from DC. It could be political. It could be coming straight from NIH. So uh, probably including them. I'm going to take a wild guess here. I once looked at these numbers. I bet you Cornell plus Cornell Med brings in 600 million a year from NIH. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And if NIH is saying, hey, don't go off the vaccine story, you can't risk 600 million. But at what point is the, right. the university's duty to stand up for truth? Like, that's the thing that pisses me off. $600 million. That's a lot of money, but you're supposed well, to be an institution dedicated is, to truth, right? I, I think most people, they have a job to do here. They have to go home. They got to put food on the table, put the kids to bed, Right. I think there's a lot of people who just have not taken the time to understand it. So I won't name names, but I reached out to a high ranking administrator, said, look, I've read more about this than your virologists have. And and I have some ideas that you might want to share, but I don't want to put them in an email. And uh, and the answer I got was happy to see anything that you put together, but don't give me any of that anti-vax shit. So I said, okay, we're done. Um, I think Cornell Legal is probably saying, um, somehow it just sent me to my microphone. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. can't see you, though. Okay. I think you might have turned off your camera. Can you see me now? No, not not right now. What just happened? How do I turn the camera back on? You click something. Um, well, I, I plugged my phone in. That might to be a it. power supply. Um, but is it connected to the computer? Yeah. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's trying to pick up your phone. Well, it actually tried to go to my Yeti microphone. Where in this thing is a? Uh, are the settings? Uh, that's a good question, Car. On his end. I would, yeah, producer just saying refresh the page. If you need to refresh and come back in, you'll, you'll hop right back okay, in. Okay, hold up. Hold up. locally. Boom. And while he does that, we have the block clock on the screen. We're 509 blocks from the next difficulty retarget. Um, Can you hear me or see me? Up? Just lost your, your audio. You're gone. He'll be coming back. There he is. I can hear him. This is what happens when you have boomers doing stuff over the internet. I'm kidding, Dave. 
There he is. You see me? There we go. There we go. Fucking A. Um, so I'm guessing that Cornell Legal is saying, look, if we lose a kid, it can't be by going off script. How many more kids could you potentially lose by staying on script? Right? Who's weighing that? Well, that's the question. See, the problem is I don't think they are. They're... I th- so, so, so the other part of the email that I got back, you don't give me that anti-vax shit, this will tell you the whole story. They, he said, um, we are modeling it every day. What do, what do so mean? what that tells me is they are treating this thing exclusively as a pandemic transmission problem. Well, I haven't learned so, that model gets me. Modeling. You're- well, the modeling is watching the transmission through the population. So they're treating it as there's an infectious disease. We've got to keep, we've got to flatten the curve. They're just mm-hmm. treating it as a curve flattening problem. And they're not addressing the question of are there risks? I'll tell you, you know, if you war game something, one of the things you do is you make sure you have an opposing team. <laughs> and so what he should have done is assign someone to look into these other theories. And he actually gave me a Kennedy, really, are you kidding comment? Yeah. And, I, and I, 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 he should assign someone to read Kennedy's book. And report back. Yeah, and say, tell me what's in there. I will note, I think you're, if you're using a Yeti mic, I think it switched to your, your computer mic. Um, Hold on. What? It, while you're doing that, this is a, this is an interesting still video. Can you hear me? Uh, now I'm you back can't to, hear me through this one yet? I can hear you, but now I'm back on that echo. Yeah. Um, you know, the problem is if you use Zoom like the rest of the human race, um, I would know how to fix this. It's Chinese, it's Chinese spyware, though. We had to get off of it. Really? It's all Chinese spyware, in case you're wondering. Is it? You don't think this is Chinese spyware? I don't think so. I don't think so. Who made the chips? That's good. Eh, maybe they're Intel. Maybe they're Intel. Who made the chips? You think Intel's chips are made here? Well, they're made in Ireland. They've got New Mexico foundries. Fuck. <laughs> you can hear me okay? I can hear you great. Okay, we'll just go with this. I might fiddle a little to see if I can get my microphone to go back. I don't need the headphones. Fuck it. All right. Um, so the, um, God, this is the last time you'll invite me. You know, you just fiddle with everything. Um, so, so this, this is a, this is a big mess in my opinion. And, and I could be, you know, I have serious concerns. I don't have great data. I know people are dying. I know they're getting maimed. I don't know how many. I know that guys like Steve Kirsch claim maybe a quarter of a million. I know that, for example, the CEO, you know this one, but I'll tell your listeners anyways, the CEO of a major insurance company just came out and he said that between the age of 18 and 65, we saw a 40% spike in fatalities. And it's not COVID. He explicitly said it's not COVID. He also explicitly didn't tell us what it was. And you know he knows exactly what it is. Because insurance companies have been monitoring this sort of stuff since the 14th century. 
And so uh, he can tell us how many were suicides, how many were heart attacks, how many were, you know, car accidents, how many, he can tell us the whole story, but he's not. What he told us was is that rates are going to go up. And that was the story. So he told us that he is going to contribute to the spiking inflation. But he said 40% spike. He said 10% spike is a three sigma once every 200 year event. 40% is unimaginable. That was his words. Forex. I think you need to put your headphones on for the echo. But with that being said, the, at what point as a society, as at what point do universities do people that exist throughout industry in the United States and globally and, and real men and women with backbone stand up and say, this is enough. Like people like the insurance story alone is evidence that something is going very, very awry. And the, the pressure that is being put on the masses to get these injections in the face of all this data that's being brought to the surface is absolutely, again, I mean, we've touched on it already. I can't hear you at all now. You can't hear me at all now? What about now? Hold on. Oh, wait a minute. There we go. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you, yes. I can't hear you. Uh, Puck. Puck. What was that car? Puck. I think I can't, he can't hear me. Can you, can you message him? Tell him to unplug his phone. Uh, output Yeti microphone, stereo microphone. It shouldn't be the Yeti, though. It should be the fucking Bose. I think you have to unplug your phone. You can't hear me. We're going to message you uh, in the chat. My headphones. Can you hear me? Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Try I love, that. I, love I think that'll work. Can you hear me? I think we got it. There we go. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can't hear you. He can't hear me. I love that he can't hear us. We're going to... Hold on. I'm going to text him. Let me text him. Ah, there we go. Try that. Can you hear me now? I was just about to text you. Unplug your phone from the computer. Boomer. How about now, dude? I can hear you. I can't hear you. (laughs) Car, is there anything on your end that you can see? But it's still... Hmm. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can't hear you. All right, go out and then come back in. Okay. One more time. I had plenty of time too. God, this is a... Sitting down with Dave Collum is always an adventure. We get... And guys, I know some of you listening out there, like this is very heavy. You shouldn't be talking about what you're talking about. It's fake news. It's misinformation. But as Dave has been saying, I mean, I haven't read the book yet, but I've had enough conversations about the book and listened to enough podcasts. Like you said, it's either somebody's going to be 
criminally prosecuted for slander and libel, or there is immense evil in the world that is being perpetrated amongst the global masses. And he left again. He probably couldn't hear me. And this is a, I mean, like I'm like the question I was just trying to get at before Dave uh, couldn't hear me. Like, at what point do we stand up as a society, as individuals, as strong men, as strong women, and say, all right, this is obviously messed up? Or maybe before we even get to that point, maybe many of you who are listening don't think that the evidence is conclusive that uh, things are going awry and that vaccines are hurting people and the response to the pandemic has been suboptimal. We can grant that. The evidence in many people's opinion, isn't conclusive. But I think what Dave is saying and what many others really need to start leaning into is like, all right, if it's not conclusive, we need to... Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? What about now? Can you hear me now? I'm not hearing you at all. I don't know. Car, are you sure, there's, not, not, you sure there's nothing uh, on our end? Here's what I think I got to do. I think I got to do a hard reboot. Okay. I'll be I'll be back in probably four minutes. Okay. And I'll uh I'll go ad lib. All right. So going back to what I was saying before, you pop back in and couldn't hear me again. Uh, like we should be commissioning these studies and this research to figure out if like why isn't the VAERS database like the numbers are high. People are saying, oh, that's fake. Like, it's being why aren't people diving into it, doing research into the data that's coming out of the VAERS database? Why aren't there studies being commissioned that look into the statistical probability of all these athletes falling dead on the field uh, as they have this year? Why aren't we vaccinating children? Like, I just want to say that straight up. Like, it, it is appalling that we are vaccinating children uh, considering the, the risk profile of their co their cohort. If you're young, you're not going to die. You're likely not even going to have symptoms if you get it. Yet, forcing vaccinations on children is a thing. And there, I know many family members, many friends who are doing it because they're they're getting the social pressure. And like Dave said. Earlier in this conversation, like you don't know if you're sterilizing. I'm not saying that this is, I'm not saying that we are, but you don't know if we are. There's literally hasn't been enough time to collect the, the data necessary to come to a conclusion that this is or is not happening. Like, what are the long term effects of this? Why are we forcing or attempting to force a vaccination on billions of people around the world? Luckily, I mean, people are starting to stand up. We're seeing it in Canada with the truckers convoy that is, re has reached Ottawa and coincidentally, Justin Trudeau just apparently caught COVID and has to quarantine himself for an extended period of time, which is a very convenient coincidence for him. What a fucking... It's so obvious. Like, like the... the Trudeau situation, like the, the truckers 
showing up to Ottawa, voicing their opinion that they don't want vax mandates. There's a lot of vaccinated truckers that are are out and protesting as well. It's not a, an anti-vax thing. It's an anti-mandate thing. And it's, it's so poetically descriptive of the lack of character that is endemic throughout the political class, those sociopathic kleptocrats like Trudeau, the, the young global leaders from the World Economic Forum. I think you know, once confronted with this convoy, millions of people throughout Canada in support of it. And CBC, or yeah, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, is trying to gaslight people. Um, however, if you go on Twitter, you can see as Carr has pulled up here, there are millions and millions of people that are supporting this, that are participating in it. I hope you can hear me. Oh, no. I don't know if you can hear me. I can't hear you. What the heck is going on? I don't know what's going on. This is frustrating. Hmm. Think we could send him a Zoom link? Should we do that or... Yeah, car doesn't have Zoom. But again, going back to my Trudeau rant, I think it is one confronted with, one's confronted with people who are not happy with the way in which things go. And so like the thing about that, he's the fucking prime minister, president, the prime minister, I'm pretty sure is what they refer to him as in Canada. Like imagine the, the lack of character necessary to completely welch on any... Can you hear me? Yes. I cannot hear you. Okay. We're going to have to figure something out. Okay, now uh, we'll try going to this. I texted him. Disconnect that. Check your phone. Oh, I just heard you. Oh, you heard me. There it is. I didn't touch my phone. My phone's unplugged and I turned it off, so... Couldn't yeah, have been my phone. That's what I texted you. I, said, I was thinking maybe if you plugged your phone what into your computer. What the fuck was all that? I don't know. I went on a great Justin Trudeau rant while you were uh, doing all that. Like how? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I missed it. Well, how incredible is it that the the trucker show up to Ottawa and he just coincidentally gets COVID and isn't oh, able to? Oh yeah, better better lock down. That's sort of like Kamala Harris, you yeah. know, disappearing when the when the walls the problem. Well, Kamala, she's vice president. But like, if you're prime minister of Canada, like, think of the lack of character necessary to... Be prime minister of Canada? <laughs> that, number one. But number two, not be able to even face your citizens. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Do you think he escaped to Cuba, the land of his father? <clears throat> I, You know, Trudeau is the... Um, Trudeau is right there with Biden, actually, right, in terms of feeble. He, he is just a, a clown. I mean, he seems like one of the most manufactured leaders right. in the world. Yeah, he's like a boy band or something. Yeah, he's, a, he's a World Economic Forum young global leader. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think so is Lena Went. She is. Jacinda. I think so. I think so. There's a lot of them. So is Putin. Putin. Our girl Tulsi is too, which was surprising. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. That's weird. I would like to see her come out and publicly disavow, but 
She has not, has she? No. And here's Dan Crenshaw. Well, so <clears throat> it gets to the question of how do you know the metaphor I like is the Harlem Globetrotters. Without the Washington Generals, you don't have a basketball game, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have, if you're going to have Kabuki Theater and you're going to have some fake game, you have to have people on both sides. And the question I keep asking is, is it possible that Tucker Carlson, who is the most outspoken and seemingly rogue player on TV, and you can love him or hate him, I don't care, but you won't find anyone else who goes against the narrative more. But is it possible that's his job? Well, and, well did you see the emails with him and Hunter Biden trying to get his son a recommendation? Well, so, but that, that, that's, that's just kind of running in the fast lane, unless you're talking about ones I haven't seen, but you know. It was about a recommendation to get into college, I believe. Right? I, I think these guys probably do favors for each other. And so I, that to me is not quite a smoking gun. It could become one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's uh, Tucker goes after some pretty tricky stuff. So when I was bird dogging the Las Vegas shootings, he was all over them saying there's something wrong with the story. And, and if, if you are, um, if you are, you know, a globalist and I think you'd stay off that topic. Yeah. And, um, he goes against the Syria model. He goes against, he goes against, you know, picking on Russia model. He, so if he's controlled opposition, they're, they're doing a superb job of making him look authentic. Agreed. I mean, you just had a Canadian trucker on the other night. Talk about what's going on there. Yeah, but that's all fun, right? That's who knows what that's all about, too, right? For all we know, that the whole thing is funded by Soros. We just don't know. Why would it? They're just trying to confuse the fuck out of everybody. Yeah, or maybe they're done with the pandemic story and they go, oh, "Let's give the let's give Joe Sixpack a win." Yeah. Because yeah. Joe Sixpack needs a win because they sure as felt help feel beat up and you know and if joe six pack so the way the way it works is that <clears throat> you don't need to keep secrets you don't need to get away with shit you just need to control the narrative right so kennedy got whacked by oswald no one believes that i don't think if you do you're probably clueless um but most of us don't right a vast majority go that, that's a complicated story and then you start going through the events in history. We know the Lusitania was sunk with armaments on it. So we baited the Germans into sinking it. They sunk it. We go to war. 117,000 Americans die in a war that wasn't our fight. Uh, if you dig into the Pearl Harbor story, uh, it's a pretty sound case that we knew the Japanese were coming. Maybe not exactly, but, but, but we left Pearl Harbor undefended to the point we didn't even have people in guard towers with binoculars. Right. That, that's a, that's an insane story. Our entire Pacific fleet was protected less than F troop. And um, and there were admirals sending emails, not emails, letters saying, you know, the fleet is a sitting duck. Get them the fuck out of there. What are you doing? And, and they just got ignored. And they say, well, there's a lot of chatter. We couldn't make sense. I go, well, then you put up, you defend. Right. We had our foot on their throats. Of course, it was coming. Well, the bottom line is, is if you want to get into World War Two, that one worked. It cost us twenty seven hundred lives. But we got into World War Two. And I was like, oh, yeah, we got to go kill those bad guys. Right. I think here's my prediction. We're going to have another crisis. The next crisis after COVID, after epidemics. I'm not sure the epidemic's going to sell again. 
No, I think no. I think they've worn us out. I think they've been caught too much lying and and stuff like that. So I I don't think it's going to be you know Ebola or or whatever. I think they I think they got to let that one go to sleep now. So maybe they're going to cauterize the wound. Maybe uh, I, one of the theories, by the way, is that Omicron being very not very toxic, um, that that's essentially the vaccine. They said, okay, release Omicron, we're ready to go. Yeah, I remember some analysts calling it nature's vaccine. Right. Well, I, I said that they should put it in spray bottles, call it Oma spray, give it to people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Plus ivermectin, that, that too. Now, they can't come out and admit ivermectin's a problem because then they're mass murderers. Right? They, they can't, in, the ivermectin story they have to stay with because they're mass murderers if they don't. You can call them incompetent idiots if they, if they think ivermectin's. But I, I think the minute, ivermectin becomes revealed as truly a highly functional preventative medicine. Then, then Fauci heads to the Hague in theory, in practice, no, but in theory, yes. Well, the the knock on stopping, I'm getting this echo from, from your side still, but I'll keep going. The knock on stopping. Is it it positional? If I move closer, does it help? Uh, no. If I move back, does it help? No, I think it's just the echo in your room. Actually, no, you, it's, it's no, it's it's definitely not just if you, that. There, if you move back, it is helping a bit. Okay, um, but, I'll sit way back here. I did a podcast with Hedgeye, and I hung a sign right over my shoulder. You know how many stages? Not how much I stage. I put shit on the wall behind me. Um, I hung a sign that said "Fauci sucks salty balls." Didn't say a word. <laughs> then at the very end, I said, "Oh, by the way, you see the sign behind me." They zoomed in on it. I go, yeah, it says five cheese sucks salty balls. He does. And he's an evil man. And well, like the, the emergency use authorization is like, is the reason why they couldn't push ivermectin in the beginning, right? Because they couldn't force the vaccine on people if there was a preventative uh, medicine available. People wouldn't get it. Right? People wouldn't get it? Well, they, if given a choice, I can do ivermectin earlier, I can get a vaccine that I don't trust. They're going to do the... So even if if legally you could release the vaccine, which they could not, you're right, then ivermectin would have been a competitor. Very cheap one at that. And, and the, the sickness, the diseased minds of these guys is illustrated by the fact that... And this is the confounding part. Nowhere in society has anyone signed off on the idea that if you've had COVID, you're good to go. Nowhere. And I get it when Pfizer tries to tell you that's not the case, or when Fauci tells you that, or when some major corporation is not willing to go there. But some guy who's employing 100 truckers, that guy should be willing to say, ah, fuck it. I need truckers. You guys already, you proved to me you've had COVID. We're good to go. Yeah, it works. But it's nowhere. No, it's nowhere in the conversation. There's well, and that's like there's none of this in the conversation. Then what makes it even more evil is to uh, sort of grandfather the vaccine into acceptance. They have to get it approved for kids. That's another thing that Robert F. Kennedy's been. And the fact that they're injecting kids with this shit is is just extraordinary to me. Well, when you were gone, I was saying that as well. Like, it is disgusting. Uh, No, it's 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 it's. It's Dr. Mengele. That's not overstatement. That's not that's not hyperbole. No, and especially when you understand if Gates is involved, I, I can't. No, I don't know Fauci's lineage too well, much. But where that- in society? When? When? 
I asked this rhetorical question in my write-up, you know, where in evolution did parents put their own health ahead of their kids? It's... And the answer is on all those branches of the tree that are now terminal. Because <laughs> that's not how it works, right? No. First. No, protect grandma. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And, uh, and so, so that's just sick bastard stuff. That's just twisted thinking. So we should not be vaccinating anyone below 40 unless they're risk. We should not be back. We should not be uh, shutting down anything. And if, 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 if you want to sh- clamp down, sit in your basement. I don't care. I'm fine by that. Yeah. And the kids, man, because I have a lot of family, friends, family that are doing it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are these well, children? So, so here's the problem. You and I hang out on Twitter and you, you know, so how many, how, how often do you see the word ivermectin on your Twitter feed? Pretty often. Right? right? Every day. There are people, I, I'll ask Cornell undergrads, these are smart kids. Do you know what ivermectin is? And they don't know what it is. They do not know what it is. Uh, that's a call from a Nobel Prize winner that's not going to get answered. How's that for you? Oh, you, you want to answer live on air and have him on the podcast? No, I don't think so. This guy's a socialist. Uh, um, yeah, we don't want him on here. I'll call him back. Um, he, uh, he's a decent guy. So, uh, so the whole thing is sick. And then, Mike, I have one colleague who's watching carefully. And he tries to rein me in occasionally, but says, yeah, this troubles me. You know, so, so, so he's, there's hope, right? Um, he said that the lab leak theory didn't look very good back in February 2020. And then, I, and then when it became clear it was the case, I said, okay, so I asked you repeatedly back then, why do you think you said it wasn't the, the source? He said, I think I just got duped by the propaganda. I think I just bought into it. I think I just. That's a, it's a, not stunning admission, but it's 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 a good admission. I mean, we need more people right. to to recognize so that they've been doing. Smart. And uh, he's also not a lefty. Now, if you're listen, if you're listening to this, and you come from the left, you're not necessarily a bad person, although statistically you're more likely to be a bad person. <laughs> um, but the alt left. I mean, the far, the, so to the extent we have an authoritarian regime coming, to the extent that um, they can come from either left or right, this one's coming from the left, right? This one's this. This is not Trumpers who are who are bringing authoritarianism in. They're defying it. So this one's a this. So to the extent that we end up eating shit and dying on this, um, those on the left who tolerated it uh, are at some level culpable. I forgive you because you're facing the biggest media blitz in the history of civilization. But if you get your news from CNN, what are you going to think? How are you possibly going to think that ivermectin works and the vaccines don't? By what mechanism would you draw an alternative conclusion? I mean, evidence, right? Like, could you look to India? Could you look to Mexico? No, they're not getting the evidence. They made they made Rogan bend the knee last night too. Yeah, for providing you know, the evidence I saw of people. That and I was a little disappointed. Um, 
I like Dave Chappelle's response where he said, uh, I'll have a chat with you guys, but you will not summon me and I will not take a knee. What, a, what powerful language that was. Right. He must have stolen that from somebody, but that was brilliant. I, think I thought not- Rogan kissed too much ass in his, in his mea culpa. Yeah, don't apologize. I think Andrew Torba from Gab.com is, yeah, I think he, he came on this podcast many years ago. I think that one piece of advice that's been given out in this podcast, uh-huh. don't ever apologize. Especially to the, the cancel culture. That's, that's what they feed off of. They feed, that's right. That's right. That's, uh, I call them social justice douchebags. I that's, won't give them the warrior label. What's funny is they're the enactment of the policies that they want to thrust on us in a very authoritarian way actually does little to, to bring social justice to the world. Right. Not even close. Makes poor people worse off. Right. Uh, makes society in, unstable. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, fuck, man. When does the little guy win under these disruptive revolutionary like movements? That's they never point. do. That's why we the like little guy point. wins when freedom reigns, right? Well, how do we bring freedom back? Especially, you know, like you said, we're under know. we're under the the most insane media propaganda blitz of human history. Well, I went through a dozen theories this year on what's happening. And they're, they're not all sort of equal theories. Some of them are just parts of the puzzle and some of them are theories and stuff like that. But um, one, of course, I've already presented and that's that the Internet may have almost guaranteed the appearance of the authoritarianism because it's too powerful and therefore someone would have to get their hands on it. And they have. That's what we're facing right now. We've got all the fact checkers. They're all pathological liars. We've got uh, all the Silicon Valley guys who are, you know, tell me they didn't like the lockdown. Holy shit, they made a fortune on the lockdown. Right. right? Um, we destroyed the middle class as, as much as you possibly could destroy a middle class in one year. Um, the border story is a fascinating story, actually. Um, there, we ever talk about technocracy, the idea of technocracy? I, I've discussed it with others before. I don't think we've ever discussed it. So the idea of the technocracy that they want to run the world using all this fancy technology, it's an idea from the thirties and it's resurrected. And, and, um, but one of the core ideas is that it's a, it's a globalism and not sovereign states. And I can make an argument against sovereign states to the extent that, you know, you go, well, you know, I, I don't think the dollar should be the reserve currency. I know why we want it, but I don't think it should be. I don't think we should be a superpower running around bombing the shit out of people in the Middle East and whacking, whacking uh, uh, heads of state, six of them in Africa, because they refuse to vaccinate, right? These are things we shouldn't be doing, right? Did we whack them? And, uh, and, and at the same time, though, the World Economic Forum and their, their uh, you will be happy clips are, are also quite threatening. You're going to eat the bugs, Dave. Oh, yeah, I'm going to eat the bugs. That's right. Now I'll, I'll be happy, right? Plus, that, that'll be the meat. Is that officially meat or not? I guess bugs are meat. They just lean into it as protein. That's yeah, uh, protein, yeah. 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 Um, I will not be happy if I'm eating bugs. No, neither will I. But like going, going back to like this technocracy, right? like it's been talked about for a while. Well, hey, let me t- finish that thought. Though. One of the theories of technocracy, you have to tear down the idea of sovereign states. 
So all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute, North Africans flooded into Europe and not a word out of the pros, not a word out of the top dogs. Merkel just brought them in. They brought them in by the millions. They brought them in. There was no way that made sense. I wrote about it. I said, I don't know what they're doing. I can't understand this. The assimilation of North Africans into Europe has never been an easy process. There, it's really a clash of cultures. That's not saying good or bad. I have an opinion, of course, but it's not saying good or bad. Just saying these are cultures that are so different. They are oil and water, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden now we're bringing them across the border and flying them around the country and doing all this and, and, and gazillions of them. And, and then the question is why? And people say, oh, that's the, you know, build democratic stronghold. They go, that's too farsighted. These guys aren't voters. And I think it's to erode the idea of borders. One world government. Everybody's yeah. together. Yeah, that's, that's technocracy is a one world government idea. They, be very careful of public-private partnerships. Because what it means is that money will be dumped in this pool. And the pool will be um, overseen by non-elected officials. Mm-hmm. And... Um, communities may be able to apply for money from the pool, say, oh, we want to put in 5G or we want to do whatever, right? We want to put in sidewalks, whatever. But they won't be in charge. And so they don't actually get to decide what the money spent on. They get to decide whether they want to go for it. And so, therefore, we've removed the, the, the resources from democracy. I mean, it sounds a lot like ESG. I mean, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Very much like ESG. And so the the whole and and this guy wrote the Patrick Wood wrote this book in 2018, so it's pre-COVID. And he says there will be a huge emphasis on infrastructure. Well, what are we getting? Right? It's all about infrastructure. Well, not only are we getting infrastructure, but they're they're using like the globalist. Uh, yeah. In in a, in a bill, you know, build back better bill. Are you kidding? And when me? every Western when every Western leader is saying build back better. What they're saying is that, that the global overseers, the, the overlords, if you want to call them that, supersede the sovereign state. Yeah, they're supranational. And, and by the way, I've been saying this for years. When I said, look, if you think the Federal Reserve works for the United States, you're dreaming. The Federal Reserve, you know, it's, uh, it's not really the government, you know, and we know that, right? So it's, it's a cartel of banks in which we have this facade of the government appointing the, the bankers in the Federal Reserve, but they, they in turn are, the, the, the government is told who to appoint. And so that's a, that's a silly kabuki theater. But the point is that um, the Federal Reserve is in charge of overseeing the well-being of a bunch of multinational banks. These are not banks necessarily domiciled in the United States. This is the multinational banking system. So if it is ever in the interest of the multinational banks to throw the United States under the bus, we will be looking at axles. These guys don't work for us. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. George Carlin, I said think he was an angry old man. I was right, but now I know why. Are you an angry old man now? I know I'm an angry young man. Well, see, here's my sympathy. It is very hard. This is a, this is a painful existence, right? This this. I, so I just again, I wrote three hundred pages this year. I don't know if I can do it again. It was having a mental toll on me. It was having a physical toll on me. Um, I was writing twelve hours a day, 
and and my wife was copy editing. And the good news is she now at least understands what the fuck I'm looking at. One at Thanksgiving when I was early writing phase, um, my wife was kind of just my son and my wife and I. One son somewhere else and blah blah blah. Um, and my wife starts sort of you know I sort of want the guy I married back, right? That sort of thing. And I try to spare her, but you know I, I'm sitting there. Fauci will come on TV on Sunday morning, and I just can't help but hurl F-bombs at him. I just can't control myself, and I can't stand it. And um, and so in some sense, she's got a bitch, but she she's kind of saying this. And I said, here's the problem, Candace. I said, it feels like to me we are in Nazi Germany in the mid-30s, and you're telling me I should shut up. And it doesn't feel like the right thing to do. It feels, I understand why you want me to, because there's risk and there's discomfort. And, and then at one point, my wife's not getting it. And and my son says, mom, what dad's trying to tell you is the world may be that fucked up. Yeah. Now, she's an ex-hippie who tried to levitate the Pentagon to stop the war. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how many blotter acid hits she took to do that, but... Um, so she kind of gets it, but women also are trying to make the world a safe, comfortable place for their family. And so they don't like to go down rabbit holes like guys do. You know, girls girls are, you know, looking to make the world safe and we're looking for bar fights, right? I've, well, I'm not just looking for a bar fight right now. Like I'm, I'm looking for an uprising to completely rid the but world of the sissies. That, that won't end well is the problem. No, but these people are eugenicists. I, at the end of the day, I mean, they come from a long line of eugenicists, too. Yeah, Bill I wrote is- about the eugenics theory. So that was one of the dozen theories. I talked about eugenics and how it's it's very popular at the turn of the century. Very 1920s, 30s, a lot of eugenicists. It was it was considered a, um, a credible idea. Boris Johnson's dad wrote a book on it. Yeah. And, and you know, if you listen to Bill Gates... I wrote about him as a eugenicist, and I said, you know, he seems like an, an, an odd one to the extent that for the last X years of his life, he seems to be trying to save lives, right? But he will then give a TED talk and in the very same sentence talk about the importance of vaccines and reducing the population. I go, I, I think that the thing about Bill Gates, which makes him so interesting, is that he's so on the spectrum that he's a really shitty liar. Yeah, he, so laughs, he, tips, he laughs when he's... He, he tips his hand so easily. I, I'd love to play poker with him and because uh, he's got all the money and, and, and all the tells. Um, of course, he's a deep pocket, too. He could outbid me um, by just a little bit. Um, and, and then there was a time someone asked him about Epstein or something. He said, well, he's dead now, so there's that. So you have to be careful, I think he said, right? Yeah, you have to be careful you deal with. And then uh, nobody ever wants to talk about it. There was some dude who like, worked on his property. I forget what he was, like the house janitor or something, who got arrested for having like 30 terabytes worth of kitty porn on his computer. That well, might... so here's a story. I might have even told you this story, but years and years ago before I was in that, paying attention to anything. I mean, I, I literally went the first... I was, it was probably the late nineties. I started at Cornell at 80. So that counts. So I was 20 years in, I started paying attention to markets and realized they were fucked up and stuff like that. But until then I paid no attention to anything. I didn't know who was president of some country. I didn't know anything. 
I just said chemistry. And uh, someone told me a story about delivering pizza to, to Gates and his friends. And I can't remember the details, but something about their total perms. And all of a sudden, now this Epstein story comes out. And I'm going, oh, God, I really wish I could remember who told me about that. Go back and get the story again. Yeah, I've trouble also with the idea that there is, I don't think pedophiles, I, I always thought they were soloists. Now I realize that, no, that's too dangerous. Pedophiles, through networking, do their thing. And I, I, I have no trouble with the idea that there is quite a web of highly powerful pedophiles. Oh, yeah. I mean, pedophile is a tricky term, you know. So some guy likes to bang 17-year-olds is legally a pedophile, uh, operationally just kind of a perv. Um, some guy likes to bang five-year-olds. That's a different story, right? So th there's a gradient there. And uh, and uh, it's a pretty steep gradient, I should add. But um, I, I see, I watch those pictures of the, uh, the Epstein uh, chicks. And they didn't look like they're bound and shackled. They might've had Stockholm syndrome. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, it's very hard to say, but um, but they also could have been just, you know, underage groupie types. Right. The ones who remember that that movie um, Almost Famous. Yeah. Penny. Right. Those chicks right there. Those are the same. That's the same type of pers personality type. Mm -hmm. The chicks who want to get in with the band. And and, and that's not to say that the, the pervs who are doing these young girls shouldn't be strung from their balls. Um. But, but again, it's on a gradient. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. it was my daughter, the gradient would have a very different look to it. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's not even like I could see that there are, I mean, demonstrably there. I mean, Dennis Haster, Speaker of the House. Uh, well, have you ever, did you ever look up, it's very hard to find now, but if you look up um, uh, uh, Tony Podesta. Yeah, Art, yeah, it's all fucked. So if you go to Google and you search it, it's very hard to find. You got to duck, duck, go. If you search Tony Podesta art collection, it was the most perverted shit where you're going, I got to close up this window fast. I mean, it was kids chained to walls and kids in cages and shit like that. It was very bad. Oh, I remember it vividly. I fell down that, that Pizzagate rabbit hole pretty hard. I would not be surprised. Well, I didn't go down it to invest. But just one day someone mentioned, I looked, I go, holy Jesus, this shit shouldn't even be on the internet. Yeah, let alone in your house. Like, why would you, like, if you have that type of well, art? One, it's a picture of a young boy that... that, that Looks that, like yeah. Anderson Cooper. Yeah, the Anderson Cooper rumor. And I'm going, holy crap. And really? That, and he's a CIA. And I think the odds of that are low, but zero? No. But if you look into, like, the, have you ever read The Devil's Chessboard? About Alan yes. About and I was hoping it was bullshit because it's so dark. Right, and then one day Glenn Greenwald, someone mentions, he says, "Oh, that's a brilliant book," and you know Glenn Greenwald knows that stuff. Yeah, oh, Devil's Chessboard, great book. CIA really? started by Satanist, who brought in Nazis. <laughs> that's yeah, that is. Well, and the, the, I knew that they 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 grabbed Nazi scientists, which made sense to me. I did not know that they were grabbing commandants from 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 concentration camps and shit. Yes. That, that, the Devil's Chessboard is a very disturbing book. And uh, by the way, one of the things we could save our bacon, I don't know if it'll happen, but um, the FOIA request to get all the all of Pfizer's vaccines. 
uh, data could be a game changer because the judge, you know, the FDA requested till 2076 to give it all up. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going, oh, what are you hiding? Right. You know what they're hiding. They're hiding the fact they rigged the vaccine trials. But um, but the judge turned around and said, no, you got six months. And and so if that somehow gets out, we're going to find out what Pfizer did to get the vaccine. I mean, they just paid people off, probably, right? Like they just had a loss-leading market spend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't arrest anybody, but at least we'll know. Well, but at some point, then when the world finally stops believing narratives, then maybe, maybe, maybe society will find a way to flip the chessboard over. Well, this brings me back to the uh, question you raised there: like, when does the little guy win? Are we just doomed to... When has the little guy ever won, right? I'll tell you, the American Revolution. Do we need another? Do we have it in us? It's not likely to be like the American Revolution. No, I think you you defund these people by something, a peer-to-peer distributed cash system. We saw what they did with Parler, right? So, you know, I, I'm so annoyed that the Supreme Court hasn't taken any serious cases on free speech. They, we're, they're so late to the story. And I know they took out one case. It was a pathetic case. I can't even remember the details, but it sure wasn't landmark case. Um, but then the douchebags say, well, you know, this, the, the faux libertarians say, you know, this is, this is, you know, private company. They can do anything they want. I go, but they're crushing free speech. They're crushing it. And I don't think that's considered legal. And so they say, you know, open up your own company. Well, we all know networking effects. I don't have to talk to a hodler about networking effects. Um, but 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 then they they open up Parlor and then they crush it. They just completely crush it like a bug, which yeah. we're now supposed to eat. Um, and so uh, this this. We all know, and what can we do? So you go through the various moments in history where you go, aha moment, right? Aha, the Lusitania, aha, Pearl Harbor, aha, 9-11, if you wish, aha, the Las Vegas shootings, aha. But so what? If at the end of the aha, nothing changes, then this idea that, well, that can't be the real story because you couldn't keep it secret. You don't need to keep it secret. I do Twitter polls all the time. My Twitter feed knows these things. Yeah, I'm 30 now. I don't want to become an old man who lives his life knowing all this shit and nothing changes. You're going to have trouble. See, I, again, I was, I was probably 55 when I started going down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. And I tell young guys who occasionally show up in my office and say, you know, I read Zero Hedge. I go, don't. Stop. Don't do that. Yeah, you got to make robots and change the world and invent things. And you got it's very hard to do that. You're kind of a professional at this, so you're making you, you're monetizing crazy shit, right? Yeah, you know, your podcast is. It, yeah, I monetize the podcast, yes, but yeah, okay, maybe I'm able to because, like you said, you do your Twitter polls and people believe that, and there is an audience out there that wants to hear these conversations and knows deep down, like, viscerally, that things need to change. It's just how the So fuck. I've been laboring over this question of what do I do going forward? Because as I said, it took the hide off me to write this year in review. And they used to be about human folly, right? They used to be about, you know, night trading, you know, wrote a fucked up algorithm and 45 minutes later they were insolvent. Isn't this funny or shit, right? Um, 
I wrote about social justice where so-and-so did something stupid as I'm being. But, but that stuff seems trivial in some level. Now, it's not because it's also how authoritarianism comes in. But this year's was so deep, dark, heavy that I can't go deeper, darker, and heavier. I also had the semester off so that it was the year, the one year that I could go deep and dark and heavy and somehow pull it off. I still miss deadline, right? Would love to have finished it in, in December of 2021. Um, I got a new course next semester. I don't have time. I, I have to repot myself and I'm not quite sure what to do. Now, what I don't want to do is start writing blogs for which one, one of the things about writing an annual review is I get a year to ponder. Mm-hmm. I get a year for the plot to thicken. So January 6th, for example, is a great example since it started at the beginning of the year. And for a calendar year, I paid attention to that plot line and developed a sense of the nuance and the players and the, you know, now you can blog by waiting until something is ripe and then writing about it. But you can also be, you know, topic du jour the thing. And it's pretty boring. You'll be writing about meme stocks, which I did write about, Mm -hmm. but I sort of overviewed it. And you know, writing a blog about what GameStop is doing today doesn't 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 do shit. It's not very deep. Yeah, you got to zoom out. You got to zoom out. So if, uh, but I don't think I can write another one of these monsters next fall for a well, host of reasons. The world needs it, Dave. Well, you know, people say that, and for those who don't know anything about what I'm talking about, what I'll tell you is, last year, former Secretary of the Treasury read it. I've, I've got hedge fund guys reading it. I've got I run into people all over the world who read it, and um, it's not the way to market it. And, you know, one blog a year. Oh, there's a way to monetize it. I don't get paid anything for it, so I've already monetized it. Um, but when I'm done, there is a, a real sense of achievement. I, I've thought of just going to writing books, do a records thing. But writing a book's a different story, too. Writing a blog is a kind of a different kind of a bar. Or a book, book you have fact checkers and blog shit is what I think. Yeah. Right? No one expects a blog to be spot on correct. They say, hey, here's a guy blowing hot air. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I mean, I, th- it's, I think you could write a book. I don't think you need to worry about the fact Oh, checkers. I could write a book, yeah. I don't think, like, uh, what, you, what you just said, like, oh, you need fact checkers. I think you're just caving to the mainstream sort of uh, framework of what they say a book what can be. Yeah. Yeah. I think, about, I think about writing a book, too. We should write one together. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, the revolution has begun. The revolution has begun. I imagine that title's already taken. Well, it's like, look at like January 6th. Like they they try to say that that is the greatest attack on the United States since 9-11, which is incredibly insulting. And To all those people who died on 9-11. Yes. And And all those people who died afterwards fighting over shit that was ginned up crap. And this is another case of just like pure propaganda trying to force a narrative that then forces change at the federal level that ships us further. January 6th may be the most important single day in history, um, but not for the reason that 
the narrative says, right? And I, it's, I, it's the, I call it the debutante ball of, of the war, war on domestic terror, right? So the war on domestic terror has been simmering out there for quite a few years, right? But, but January 6th, they kind of launched it. Yeah. The war on domestic terror in a nutshell is a war against the populace. And in particular, it's a focus on a specific racial slice of the populace. What kind of war is that again? That's, that is batshit crazy stuff. Right? You, you're declaring war against me because I'm a white guy? Is that really what January 6th is about? It seems to be. Yeah. That is. Well, you know, they declared it's essentially all Trump guys, right? All, all, there's about 80 million of them. Oh, like what? Like, was that crisis acting? Like, wh why were the cops letting them in? Like, if you see the footage well, inside. Was, no, that was a political trap. That was a trap. So the biggest mistake Trump made is he didn't see the trap. So he he should have he should have seen the risk of riling up a mob. He should have seen that could go bad. But what he really missed, and Bob Lutz, the pollster, who I think is a shill of a higher order, um, he analyzed the thing. And, and as much as I don't like Lutz, and as much as I think he's he's a political hatchet man and he does all sorts of stuff that I don't trust, he's still smart. Mm -hmm. And he said that Trump should have seen that. Now, what Lutz didn't mention is that Trump should have seen that it was a setup. It was a trap. It was like a, it's like a blitz, right? When you smell a blitz, you go back and they let them come in and then you backpedal and you throw a screen pass, right? They threw a screen pass. And, and so the, uh, the document, the resolution to get the e evil white evildoers was uploaded at something like 4, 10 p.m. on January 6th. That's some fast writing. Right. It was written, it was dated January 5th. So they wrote the thing before the event occurred. What did it do? It took a, a crisis where there was tremendous number of people who really think the election was rigged. I happen to be one of them. I happen to think the election was rigged. I happen to think the elections have been rigged for many years, but until this one, the rigging was like a game of capture the flag. So the right and the left would rig against each other. They didn't give a shit because they were all basically the same team. I mean, we have cryptographically provable email evidence that they were at least rigging in the Democratic primaries. Right. No, the whole thing, I think, was rigged. And people say, oh, I went to court 61 times. I go, didn't get to the evidentiary stage once, not even once. So what it did is it took this situation where there was kind of a crisis because a big chunk of people didn't trust the thing. And by the end of the day, they signed off on the electoral votes. The uh, being a right winger was toxic. Republicans were hiding. The Democrats had a huge power game. This is like a reversal in wrestling. The guy's almost pinned. Boom, flips him over. Next thing you know, it's a pin. And, and so now the Republicans won't go near it if they can help it. The Democrats are going to, it's going to be a national holiday to celebrate douchebag white guys. And the whole thing's repugnant. So the FBI was all over it. We know they were setting shit up. We know Ray Epps and all those guys. There's, there's dozens of FBI guys. There's, there's, I got, I read an article by an, uh, an ex 
co-intel sort of FBI guy. And he said, he said he, he was walking the crowd. He said he gets the FBI guys all over the crowd. He goes, oh, there's a couple. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, that famous picture wow. of all the dudes with the, the yeah, I know. haircut. It's become a meme, right? I wasn't even positive that came from January 6th, did it? Do you know it did? No, they were wearing T-shirts and shorts. So it definitely didn't come from January 6th. I think it had something right. to do with it. Like, but the spot the Fed. Yeah. And then there was one that was really funny. It was gridded off. <laughs> it's one of those that like, I capture things. It says, click all the boxes with a Fed in it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so, so it was this phenomenal political coup. They, they, they flipped the momentum so dramatically in one day. But the problem is they've also launched this war against domestic terror. And it reads, when you read the things they say, you go, you know, you sound like a fucking Nazi. You know that, right? And like in one of the bills against it, they mentioned white 19 times. Really? 19 times. <sighs> now, all you had to do was say domestic terrorists, anti-government, anti-whatever. But they said white. 19 times. That's, I think that's probably pretty unconstitutional is my guess. It's pretty fucking scary. Definitely. Well, definitely scary. And so, uh, and so this, this really is an extraordinarily threatening period in history. And the leaders seem to not, they're playing the most dangerous game. So if this is just political hijinks, right? If this is just the Democrats playing capture the flag here, okay, we're going to use this to get the Republicans out of there and to win the House and whatever. They're playing an extremely dangerous game. They are playing with fire. Playing with lives. Yeah, they're they're juggling dynamite. They are they are playing with lives. The fact that the guys were in solitary confinement without and they couldn't their lawyers couldn't get to them and they can't see the fourteen thousand hours of videotape. Those are gulags. That's not a prison. Those are gulags. And then, of course, Putin nails it. You have to respect Putin. Putin's comment was, on January 6th, 450 people were arrested for the crime of showing up with political grievances. I'm going, oh, my God, what? You are a rock star, baby. That That is nailing it. That's a way to shove everybody's face and shit over here. He, Putin is a genius. Putin, has got, Putin has a, 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 an uncanny sense for how to, how to uh, you know, when I listen to interviews where I obviously don't speak Russian, but there's sometimes I presume they're translating it correctly. He's he's a rock star when it comes to, to controlling the narrative. Yeah, he knows exactly what buttons to push. Exactly. And it's not that I don't believe that he kills people when he needs to and shit like that, but I also think we do. So I don't I don't know where to go from there. I mean I he I, I presume he's worse than our guys. I don't think he's necessarily worse than Alan Dulles was. I don't either. <sighs> the Dulles story's horrible. I by the way read The Brothers, which was a, a watered down Dulles book about the, the Alan and Foster. And it didn't do it. And then, and then I saw this, the devil's chessboard. I said, okay, I'm going to have to read that. Then I read Eisenhower's biography because Eisenhower kept showing up in the devil's chessboard. So I got I to find out where Eisenhower fits into this story. And it turns out Eisenhower's biographer almost didn't mention Dulles. 
even though he had to have been in there in the middle of shit. I think Eisenhower didn't trust Dulles and he just kind of kept him at arm's reach. Well, I mean, his farewell address would, would signal. We'd love to know what he was talking about. Right. I know it. We know generally. I was on a podcast last night with a, the Zoom call with David Icky, Ike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So he was out there. I I asked him a lob pitch question, but I was hoping to go deeper. I said, what are the, um, what are the school shootings about? Now you can say, you know, get rid of guns, cause fear. I was looking for something deeper. He didn't get there. He didn't get there. I mean, he's deep on lizard, lizard people theory. I think so. I did a podcast with his son. And, but I, I wanted something a little bit deeper than that. I was hoping he'd say, I was hoping, uh, what I should have done is preface the question with the statement I just gave you and then said, what else is underneath that? Well, it sounds like you have theories of what else is underneath that. No, I, I don't actually, except, except, so I don't think it's just to scare the populace because I don't think school shootings really scare people that much. They're statistically to a problem. I do think that they were, serving the purpose of getting us to fight with each other. Yeah. Similar to Floyd, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, right. Us against them, right? Constant us against them. Constant, constant, constant us against them. And no, that's what we do in the Middle East, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Fuck, man. Is it, it went again, maybe it never stops. It's something like this. Well, so here's the question. I, do you believe? I, do you believe there's good and evil? Like, do you believe we are in a certain. in a global battle of good and evil right now? Well, I'm not sure. There's, uh, yeah, there's definitely good and evil, not congenitally, but you know, I put it this way: there's a gradient, and I I think that um, I think we can perceive evil wrong, so I think we can look at the you know, some Arab guy or something and think, oh, he's evil. In part, it would be from lack of adequate information. In context. and part, it would be lack of an understanding of the culture, right? That's just how they do it, right? If you look at how they executed guys in the olden days in civilized Western Europe, they used to beat the snot out of people. They didn't just kill them. Steven Pinker's book on something like the, the Better Angels Among Us or something, I can never remember the title, but um, he has a section where he describes all the different ways they thought of killing people. I'm going, you know, Adolf Hitler could be standing in front of me and I wouldn't do that to him, right? That's just, just, just sick. Mm-hmm. But they, they spent a lot of time and effort to figure out ways to make people suffer. I finished a book on the Comanches this year. Oh my God, well, those guys were clever. They yeah. knew how to make people suffer. I've, uh, since moving to Texas, I've been getting uh, uh, very many history lessons on the Comanches. And, well, so the, this book is something like uh, Under the Summer Moon. Again, I can never remember the titles of the book, but something about under about a guy named Quana. Quana, um, what's his last name? Can't remember. Um, but it was about the Comanches. It was, and, and I thought it was beautifully balanced. So it wasn't, you know, anti-white guy. It wasn't anti-Comanche. It was just... It just was. And the battle started out in the early 19th century where we couldn't touch the Comanches. They ate our lunch every single interaction. And then a few events occurred, including the the most important, I would say, was the invention of the six-shooter. Colt 45, baby. Colt 45. 
And once the Colt 45 is in bed, all of a sudden the Comanches are going, holy shit, these guys can shoot these bullets better than we can shoot arrows now. Because the Comanches used to be able to perforate us because we we're muzzle loading. Well, it was the, the combination of the Colt 45 and then the, uh, the, the horse, uh, like they ride horse through night and they'd have like outposts where they'd get off one horse and get on a new one and keep riding. So like the speed at which. Those guys knew how to ride. Yeah, those guys really knew how to ride. But yeah. um, then the other thing, uh, uh, I think it was probably caused by the gold rush, but there was a cholera epidemic in 1849. Mm. You know, I think the Comanches had probably survived a bunch of epidemics and regrown their population by then. But then this new one came through, and I think that clobbered them right when they didn't need it. That was right about the Colt 45 arrival. And so, so they got sort of the double barrel. And then at the end, it just became pathetic. And, and then you had all these cross signals where some guy's trying to sign a deal with the Comanches and some other guy doesn't know and goes and massacres them all. You know, it, it just it just gets ugly. So by the end, it's it's it goes from the dominant Comanche to the dominant white guy. It was guaranteed to happen. Right. This was an unstoppable force. The white guys were going west, period, period. And I get a little torn because on the one hand, I go, if you look at history, Groups have been beaten and slaughtered and dominated and conquered since the beginning of history, since we since we left the savannah, since we started forming groups bigger than tribes. On the other hand, in modern society, when you sign a deal with someone, you're supposed to follow through, and we sign deals, and then we then we broke them. So I I, I have kind of a mixed emotion. There's no integrity in this world anymore. There are our sociopathic leaders aren't even integral. Well, right now it feels like, but one of my theories is it's always been this way and we just couldn't see it. Yeah. But yeah, going back to like your view on the internet, the internet being the authoritarian uh, technology that really throws us into a a global gulag. uh, Maybe I'm a naive optimist and idealist, but I do do think the uh, internet via the ability to have conversations like this and get this type of yeah, we can well we can we can build I'm working on building a substack competitor that would make that uncensorable substack's going to get censored at some point in the future spotify well what happens if uh when they figure out you're spewing bad stuff your car ceases to run yeah they snuck that into a bill well, yeah. Did you see that? 2026, uh, right? 2026. 2026, no new production after 2026 can be a, a car that is not um, like computer connected or self-driving. Right. Meaning some, some, some server farm in some faraway place that we've never heard of can turn your car off because some algo said turn it off. And then we're going to have robot cops. And if they're anything like the fact checkers, they're going to get it wrong and shoot people for no fucking reason. Yeah. I mean, the, the car thing, it's already possible. I mean, they, no, it they, is, right? they did it they to Michael Hastings. They, did they it can to Mike. shut off your credit card. They can shut off your bank account. Yeah. That's why we need Bitcoin. And, uh, well, and that's, that's where you and I part ways slightly because, uh, because I'm still not convinced you guys are bulletproof and, and, and I can I can write a plot line that has you guys the patsies, and patsies. you know it's not impossible. Oh yeah, the Bitcoiners are going to be the the reason why the financial system crashes. Well, not only that, but the, the question is, um, 
can you really be autonomous of an authoritarian state? It's hard to picture. In what way? Well, like... well again, it, it always gets back to this idea of, of having to go from Bitcoin to Bitcoin and never have... If, if you stay within the Bitcoin universe, then I, I really don't understand Bitcoin well enough to know if that guarantees you're okay. I do know there's a bunch of shysters in the Bitcoin universe too who can steal your Bitcoin fast. So, 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 but, but if you stay within the Bitcoin universe, so you never have to translate out into the real world through tether to the real world, whatever, then maybe, but, um, but what percentage of the world will run out Bitcoin if the authoritarians say we're going to put you in a gulag if you do? I was asked this question last week. We'll find out again. Like we well, need. So, so the key is the key, and I can hear you know this. The key is that um, is that you can't say with great confidence you're untouchable. There are fist pumping hodlers out there. You know, you can't touch us, you motherfucker. It's like boom. You know, it, it is. Anyone who says that probably hasn't been thinking too deeply. I mean, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. And I think, right. uh, tell, Bic- me, tell me, tell me. Okay, I think we talked about it last time, but I don't think you committed yourself. Tether looks like a problem to me. Yeah. I mean, t- I mean no, Tether, you can, like, th- the company that runs Tether is being audited on a quarterly basis by the New York Attorney General, and they're passing their audits. Like, they have money in the okay. bank account. That's not what I, that's not what I read, but okay. I mean, you can see they're like audit it, like I'm pretty sure, by the New York Attorney General, and even at, like Tether, Tether could fail. It's Gary not, Gensler, Gary Gensler. Uh, yeah, he's in the SEC, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you are you sure they're being audited, or they're going to be audited? No, they've been audited. They've provided. I mean, you can go look this up. It's public knowledge. Okay. This is the thing. Okay. All the all the funds. I know you guys who seem awfully smart and awfully clever and seem to think that. Um, seem to think that it's a uh, fractional reserve. It, it, so it, it, at one point it may have been, but I don't think, and one thing, my biggest thing with Tether is people don't realize like Bitfinex, a lot of Tether's treasury uh, was held in Bitcoin when Bitcoin was significantly lower in price. So they haven't factored in the fact that uh, the Bitcoin underlying some of that backing has appreciated significantly and probably hasn't been touched. Well, well, but that, that, that sort of spontaneously converts it to fractional reserve, right? I don't know. Well, uh, you have a, if you have, let's say you have a billion dollars worth of tether, a billion dollars worth of treasuries, and, and, and all of a sudden Bitcoin quadruples, right? So let's say it's not fractional reserve, it quadruples. Now you got a bunch of people who think they can get out at four times the price. And tether, and there's only one fourth of that, isn't I mean, that? Isn't that? Yeah, tether's a stable coin, so you'd only be able to get out what you put in. Well, but don't isn't tether essentially the currency that you use to get out? So when you say I want to sell my Bitcoin, it's no, tether. So yeah, there's so much misunderstanding. Tether is okay. basically. I'm probably going to take you down. It's, you know, Mount Stupid. It's a way. It's a way of international traders who, in, in exchanges, Bitfinex being one. Bitfinex is. It's. I. I don't recommend people hold tether. I think it will eventually. The, the long dick of the the U.S. government is going to catch up 
with okay. Bitfinex. I really love the team and appreciate what they've built and think they're a great example of actually like staying true to cypherpunk ideals and operating outside of the system. Uh, however, like I don't, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna be long lasting. I don't. However, with that being said, I don't think like Tether is driving the price of okay. Bitcoin and they're like spinning things up and like manipulating the price. Uh, well, I don't think they're no that I, I I you know one point wasn't Tether giving up you know free tethers to join in and stuff like that. Weren't they, weren't they giving promotional tethers out to get you started? So the way, uh, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. There's a lot of that well, stuff but, going but on. If oh. you're giving out free tethers, that means therefore that, that there's a problem with tether. I don't, I don't, I've never heard that before, so I can't, but it has oh, had. Like, I've heard it. I just don't know if it's true. Yeah. I don't know if it's true either. I can't, I okay. can't verify. Don't the other use- thing that, that the holders, I think. I mean, the guy, the, the guys who are hodlers who come from Wall Street certainly know this, but um, Bitcoin has not yet been through a real credit crunch. Yeah, it was just, so, may find that out uh, in the next soon. 12 months. Yeah, yeah r- right. So, so, and again, I'm not wishing against you because if we have a credit crunch and Bitcoin gets clobbered, you know, gold can get clobbered too. Yeah. And so um, it, 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 at some level, the next credit crunch could reprice so many things in unimaginable ways. I don't think people are prepared for that. But again... And, but you also think it's very high probability that at some point there's a come-to-Jesus moment. Yeah, well, yeah, it's an education thing. It's... Yeah. Uh, like, I do like number go up. I like the value of my Bitcoin going up. But really, that's why I got into it in the first place. I thought I was going to get right. rich quick. Right. Uh, however... It's about the freedom. Like what were we, this whole conversation we're talking about? We're trying to get away through, from this author, authoritarian global regime that wants to. No, I agree with that. I understand that. And as is gold and as is silver, right? I mean, they all are about that. Um, but Bitcoin has such a better chance of succeeding than gold and silver due to the I, fact. I think you're full of crap on that, but we can disagree on that. I, the, I, I, I think. Uh, the physical nature of gold and silver is so confounding uh, for the the ability of those to actually succeed at supplanting the dollar system uh, it, it's an insurmountable problem for them where the fact that bitcoin's digital it's divisible for example one of the one of the things i hold is is central fund of canada and it's audited and it's in a warehouse it's in a, a vault and yeah. it's, it's audited justin trudeau and- he, he 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 takes some ivermectin cures himself of covid shows up to that vault with the yeah, Canadian military yeah, it's gone you can't do that with bitcoin like you'd have to go to every individual holding it on a personal wallet, and then you'd have to actually yeah. uh, have well, that, them sign a transaction. It keeps, back, it keeps getting back to the the, the 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 illegality of it. So I just have this great faith that the long arm of the state can squash any bug it wants. It's not going to squash this one, I don't think. Because again, and then it's connected to the energy too, like the, the way yeah, like never China China tried to kill Bitcoin last year. And what happened? The, well, I don't know what they tried to kill Bitcoin. I think they just didn't want their guys using it. No, yeah, that's a good point. But they, they exact, but they should have tried to kill Bitcoin because if there was ever an opportunity for a massive superpower on the on the global stage to kill Bitcoin, that was it. They had sixty percent of the network hash rate in their borders. They could have easily confiscated all that machine. Those machines plugged them in and attacked the ledger. 
if they wanted to. They didn't. So that was a massive. Why not? I don't know. It's a blunder. They're um, a strategic blunder, in my opinion. What would have happened if they did that? The network, hey, it would have reorged and reorged, and the participants would have to decide, hey, do we do a proof of work? Uh, do we switch out the proof of work algorithm? Which is one, um, one mitigation that you can do there if, if a large nation state ever gets is a nuclear option. You never want to do that, but it is possible. Um, and then you would restart the ledger at a certain block height and use a new uh, scripting algorithm, or I don't even know if it's technically a scripting algorithm, but you use a new hashing algorithm too. So I've been asked on, on a number of podcasts, you know, what price would I enter? And that's never the answer. That's never, that's not the right question. What would, what event would get me mm -hmm. to enter? And the event would be, and I'm, sufficiently ignorant that that I might not see it even if it's right in front of my face. So I'm, I'll, I'm counting on you to tell me. Of course, you're trying to tell me now. Um, the event would be um, something that changes my view of Bitcoin's risk. So, it, and what it would likely be affiliated with is a, a near-death experience where you guys survived it. I mean, we've had many... Uh, well, you've had some price drops, but I've not seen, I've not seen you won a battle against the state. I mean, the China thing was the, the well, yeah. So um, the China thing, it maybe wasn't a direct battle against the state, but what it proved is that the the network again, sixty percent of hash rate kicked out of China. What's that do? It makes it so uh, blocks come in slower because there's less computing power solving hashes to add blocks. Satoshi's design is impeccably beautiful in, in the sense that that happened. He took off 60% of the hash rate that was built up over the course of 12 years at the time, over more than who a decade. Is, who is right now, in your opinion, the world's most expert hodler? Who is the guy? If you said this, this is the guy who's the closest thing to fucking Yoda. <sighs> Oh, that's hard. Now I know the Splash he might be out there, and he it might be him, but it might not be him either, because sometimes the first first touch guys are not the guys who know. Like Kerry Mullis invented the PCR, but he might not be the world's expert at it. Well, he's dead now, but and he died in nineteen, so that's coincidental too. Um, but but who who is the guy who you say this guy knows the inside and out of Bitcoin like no one else in the world? Probably Greg Maxwell, who's a, a developer who sluiced it on Reddit um, and the Bitcoin mailing list and IRC, Peter Wola. Do you have a book or anything? No, no, I don't believe so. Busy. Um, you, you go find Greg Maxwell Reddit posts. It's funny. He just lives on this weird Bitcoin cash. It's not even a Bitcoin subreddit. So if someone wants to get from zero to 60, I've asked this before probably, what's the best book? Zero to six. It's, it, it, it can't be a pain in the ass. It can't be too technical. can't be too simple. I do not want a book where some guy's fist bumping his way through the book. Well, I don't think it's a book. I think it's a blog series called Gradually Then Suddenly, um, written by Parker Lewis, if you want to understand um, the, the robust nature of Bitcoin from different aspects and understanding the value prop of Bitcoin from 
different aspects, whether it be the, the network, the monetary policy. Um, he does a, um, he does address nation state attacks too. Like like how how do you see a nation attacking Bitcoin? I'm not smart enough to know. Uh, I, I'm not the guy to answer that question. I mean, they'd have to. Uh, well, a, a very simple one. You know, they say Bitcoin's illegal. Yeah, and that so that could happen here. Right. The global nature. You don't think there's a rogue state that's going to say, all right. No, no, no. I think there might be. But then the question is, is that if as you start to sort of corner it, at some level, what you're losing is the uh, the 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 um, the networking effect. No, I mean, that's so that's what we that's what we learned with China. Like if you, you could take out no, 60. No, 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 no. But, but if I own Bitcoin and they say you're going to go to prison if you use Bitcoin, I'm not going to use Bitcoin. Why are you such a pussy, Dave? Because I don't want to get put in jail. I don't want to be put in a gulag, right? Well, again, like what I've been saying throughout this podcast, is there a point in history where we have to stand up and say, no, I'm going to fight for this. Like, this is Well, so I right. got my vaccine because I didn't want to lose my job. It was just, it was Bayesian statistics. I waited and waited and waited and said, okay, people are not dying in the street. There are problems. The, the numbers look low to me. And this is what my job's worth. And this is what my, the morality of getting jabbed is worth. I said, I'm going to vaccinate. Yeah. Well, I mean, the ability to uh, basically use Bitcoin outside the purview of the government. Like, right. You can make Bitcoin illegal. However, you could still use it pretty easily in ways that. Well, know, could I buy a car with the Bitcoin? Could. You'd have to use probably peer to peer encrypted chat app to right. find somebody want to sell you a car. Well, but that's right. But you're already kind of narrowly focused there this is this is a this already means that it's you know some guy where you know you say hey here, here's this give me an ounce of pot right you're already kind of yeah um <laughs> how many people bought pot well it was illegal no no i get it but it, it's 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 a different world it, you don't buy a house with it you don't buy a car with it you don't right well you could unless it wins right if it wins the battle then you do but it's as long as that battle's raging, you don't. Well, do you have to fight that battle to to get to where you do? Well, like, yeah. Do you, you, know, do you throw? There's all you sure an old man is the. Yeah, this is for revolutionaries, right? You yeah. know, most revolutions in history are you know, teenagers and young men. Well, we could it's use sage. We could use sage uh, people with sage wisdom like yourself to embolden us young men. Yeah, I, I, that's why I don't pick on you guys. <laughs> that's why I'm 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 a no coiner who doesn't criticize you. I mean, this is again. I think this is a very fascinating conversation that we've had out of the many, particularly after the year in review you just wrote, and how much that ate at your soul or took you to a dark it place. Ate at my soul. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the fact that I'm bringing it up, right? I mean, I didn't have to bring up Bitcoin. No. But you think that it seems that you think that authoritarianism is is inevitable, or it's certainly we're at a very high risk. Yeah, I would agree. High risk. I don't think it's inevitable. I think literally the, the I, what I what I say it's possible. It's inevitable, and that is to say that right now I don't know, but it's possible that it was unstoppable when the internet went live. That that was a the butterfly flapping its wings. That 
was going to produce global authoritarianism. That's not to say that right now I know that. I agree. And I, it does look that way. And I it's do think, sketched. well, like I've, since we last talked, I joined a, a venture fund that is investing in Bitcoin infrastructure and free open systems or companies building open systems that can't be co-opted and controlled the way Twitter, Parler, whatever it is, is. And one, one of the companies is, is called Start9 Labs. They're building an operating system called Embassy OS, and they are basically building the, a, a platform that'll allow you to create, um, you, can, you can do Google Docs without Google. You can have a password manager that's not managed by anybody. They can't control that. Like personal comp- at-home server architecture that, that can get us away. So, so I, I, uh, I might have told you these stories, you know, because we've talked a lot, but, I, you know, one I was having trouble with my email and Steve Sanofsky, who's former president of Microsoft Windows, chimed in and was helping me on Twitter with my Eudora email yeah. <laughs> or Microsoft Outlook. And, uh, and I'm thinking this is pretty good use of Twitter, right? This is, this is reaching out, this is reaching the highest echelon. And then, and then I was looking for a spam blocker and, uh, and Brendan Ike was helping me with a spam blocker. Well, he wrote Firefox. So mm-hmm. when he tells me a spam blocker to use, I can trust it. Um, he wrote brave. And so he said, you should go to brave. And so I've gone to brave. Um, but when I search on brave, it goes right to Google. And I said, Brendan, I, if Brave is going straight to Google, he says, well, I don't like to promote this, but here's what you have to do to make the default setting Brave, not Google. So he, and, and then he, then after we had our little chat, he, he went out on Twitter and said, and told everyone that said, you got to go and change your settings. Yeah. Google has a big network effect with the search. He used DuckDuckGo. Um, uh, I'm not sure DuckDuckGo does it anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced that they've, they've, peeled the tentacles off because I've gone to DuckDuckGo and gotten results. I go, ah, these are suspiciously like Google. Bing, for example, uses Google. Um, I think Google might have more control over the searches than we realize. They certainly have a shit ton of control over the searches. Again, we got But I've gone from, I think it was a year ago, writing about the privacy issue of Google to writing about the, them stepping on our throats like fucking Stalin. Yeah, I mean, Susan so, Mosicki. So it's been a very quick plot line. Google might rip this interview off of YouTube, so. Yeah. Right. And, and COVID taught us a lot. That's where COVID is an important story because, because even average Joes are seeing the authoritarianism underneath the ivermectin, underneath the, the, the vaccine mandates, um, and, and the lockdowns are going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. I hate... They have little hope. that we, can, like we we need systems like Bitcoin if, if we are ever going to live in a non-authoritarian global world order. And I think... I don't think the state is certainly going to try to kill it. I don't think they're going to be successful. Like another reason... I don't think that too, because well, Bitcoin- see, for me, the buying opportunity of the century, again, I, you know, I pass out at a 10. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
It's hard to buy it at sixty thousand. Um, Luckily, it's only at thirty-eight right now. So yeah, um, to me, the buying opportunity this century will be that near-death experience where it's gotten the shit beat out of it and it won. And, and I might not get that opportunity. Well, because I think but, it's already winning. I don't think. Well, you know, based on the ability, basing its purchasing power, it's battling. It's not. It, it, well, it's not it, only it's not only its purchasing power. It's it's becoming critical infrastructure for the energy sector, which, as we talked about earlier, uh, is in, in dire. Now, need. clarify that for me. I know it uses a lot of energy. Tell me about the critical infrastructure for the energy sector. What does that mean? So it takes a lot of energy. Um, well, I know, but that's the downside of it. No, that's the beauty of it. It helps us make Why? because Why? the the economic incentives of miners are to drive their their cost of the to produce a Bitcoin down as low as possible. And an integral right. ingredient in doing that is driving they're all in electricity costs to mine the Bitcoin down as low as possible. So you, you think it will be a technological revolution in energy production? Oh yeah, spurred by Bitcoin. Yes, because uh, the cheapest energy on the planet is that which is stranded or wasted. So um, I worked for a company where we go to upstream oil and gas companies and say, "Hey, you're getting." How, how does that? Okay, so Bitcoin uses wasted energy, but that's not a net win to the extent that it that energy. What would what would be a plus if Bitcoin found a way to use that energy, which then showed people how to use it for other stuff too. And then I'm getting to that. So the like upstream, okay. upstream, you, know, you create efficiencies that the wasted uh, and stranded energy. That's just one aspect. And then again, the economic incentive is there uh, to basically, if we had a big problem with the Texas grid last year. They didn't have enough electricity during the hundred year storm uh, that the peak demand that, that, that came in February was larger than the, the electricity that was available to the market. So what you so could... here's what I think is going to happen. I forgot to mention this. I was heading for it and then I got diverted. I think our next crisis post, post-COVID is going to be an energy crisis. Oh, yeah. They're, they're choreographing it. They're, they're preparing That's for exactly it. That's exactly right. It's not just we're going to... It's choreographed. They're shutting down pipelines for a reason. They're blowing up refineries for a reason. They're hacking things for a reason. And there's way too many in 2021, for example, way too many. They, they shut down the, the Mississippi River and the Suez Canal. And there's, there's just way too many oddities going on here, right? So then the question is why? What's that about? I mean, I have an answer. They're, I mean, the manufacturing energy crisis to get more control over people. That's pretty obvious. Uh, but I, it also could be the the meme level bumper sticker answer that um, that they know we got to get to nukes and they know that they could cajole us and try to get everyone to sign off on it and you know um, you know not in my backyard crowd to shut the fuck up once and for all or they can make them beg. See, I don't think it's that. They hate nuclear. Well, They've been know, decommissioning we nuclear. War, we were reluctant to go into World War II until Pearl Harbor, and then it's like, boom, we're in. Boom, we're done. Well, I, so, think I think, again, I think this isn't like the controlled demolition. They want people uh, <laughs> energy poor, hungry, and unable to buy things because their money's broken. 
They've already achieved that. What's their next goal? <laughs> Forces to bring bring China to the rest of the world. Bring that social credit score oh, to the rest of Jesus, the world. Jesus, Marty, you have darkened up. <laughs> I moved to Texas for a reason. Uh, I think. Where were you again before that? I was in New York. Um, oh, yeah. Land of taxes. Yeah. You went from taxes to Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of well, I can't think of like Guatemala or something. Uh, El Salvador. El Salvador is the big Bitcoin country right now. Um, yeah, that's just because the guy said I use Bitcoin. You guys all soiled your underwear. He bought a bunch too for the country, yeah. which yeah, I know. Pretty cool. But, you can hear the hodlers all hit orgasm simultaneously. Yeah, but again, I'm more bullish on the energy sector. So going back to like the un, un, unstable grids, like I think. We're winning the battle on ESG. ESG is being completely uh, dismantled in front of our eyes because people are looking. Well, I'm at, an old school peak oil guy too. So I read every book on peak oil. I knew all about Hubbard's Peak and all that shit. And Matt Simmons. I read them all. And then they were able to push back the energy shortage by fracking their asses off and, and stuff like that, which really didn't push back the shortage, but it, it made us appear to be energy independent. Mm -hmm. What I can tell you is I don't think as a country you can thrive if you're energy dependent. So I think one of Japan's problems is they're energy dependent. It's it's like a bleeding wound. And so if you're not energy independent, then you're gonna you're just bleeding revenues out the door to whatever country has got the energy. Yeah. And it's disgusting. I mean it's what we're seeing right now in Europe with <laughs> begging oh, Russia. Pregnant. Right. But I don't profess to understand what's going on in Ukraine, right? That, I, yeah, I don't. Well, but it 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 just it, all I know is is that I don't want to end up in a fight with Russia. Oh, it's not my fight. We need people to stand up and call this shit out. Like the fight is a lot of. Right, but who I'm calling out us for trying to pick a fight with Putin. I'm not trying to pick a fight with Putin, but yeah, I mean it doesn't make any sense. It's like distract. I think the whole Ukraine-Russia thing right now is just distraction because China's going to go in and take Taiwan. Well, I have a friend who, who's, who lived in the Ukraine for quite a while. Is it the Ukraine? I never know. And uh, he said that if he talks to his friends, they're going, we're not worried. Yeah. yeah so the guy saying that, Putin's not coming over here. No. I'm worried when you have a superpower like ours, it's being run by a guy who's sitting in his basement playing Game Boy because he's got no marbles left. This this is this is not a healthy situation. This is this might be a time in history where you need a kind of a Reagan type where the opposing team is going, uh, we just better tread softly here. Yeah. We don't have a Reagan type. We got nutballs. We got social justice warriors in there. We got Biden who's clearly calling none of the shots. Yeah, yeah I mean none. Can't even wait his own ass. So we know who's calling the shots. But you know, if you were China, you'd be mowing you'd be mowing into Taiwan this year. Exactly. That's what I think's happening right now. It's all distraction right. for Taiwan. Right. I mean, right. I mean look how yeah, quickly you wait for the Olympics to end and then off they go. Yeah, look how quickly COVID uh, really had people forgetting about Hong Kong. <laughs> and look yep. at Hong Kong now. It's uh Yep. Well, in some sense, didn't China China own Hong Kong? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember when it got turned over, I go, ah, oh, fuck, that's a problem. I go, well, you know, someone signed a lease. 100-year lease, right? 99-year lease. And yeah. 
up. That's what happens when you sign a lease. Then we're not going to re-up you. Yeah, but you don't have to. So I, I worry a lot about it. And I, you know, I worry that I worry that I worry that the Democrats are going to run Kamala Harris. Of course, I think she's going to be president before before the election. I don't think Biden can. I think it's just going to become so embarrassing. It already is. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're going to run her in 2024 because she can't win. And then and then I go, but I'm really terrified at the prospect that she could win. Because she looks so un, unprepared to be in a position of authority. Yeah, I mean, they all, they all are woefully corrupt and unprepared. Yeah, I... I'm completely jaded by the, the federal government. You know why Eisenhower ran for a second term? He said that he just didn't think Adlai Stevenson Could do had the qualifications to be president. I'm thinking, oh boy, Eisenhower would be rolling in his grave if he looked at the meatloaves we're looking at now. I mean, a good argument to be made that people in the future, many decades from now, will look at 2022 and the American, they'll recognize the American empire having have fallen years before this. I think. I, I, well, you know, debt does it too, right? That, that, that is the skid. So, you know, Rome didn't fall in a day, although 476 is the, you know, they sort of give, give credit, but you know, it, it starts falling. And then, and then 477, it's not like Rome looked that different. Not like people didn't wear togas and bank chicks and, no, what happened? You had the dark ages after that, and it took a while to to pick up those those pieces. But what were? But it it, it took a while for those pieces to fall too. Yeah. Right. So so um, my I I hired I was a journal editor and I had to hire a secretary and I hired a woman with a PhD in uh, medieval history. Note to self, don't get a PhD in medieval history. You'll end up being a secretary, right? That's the first message. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, you don't want to spend all that time to get a job you could have gotten out of high school, right? And um, and I, I asked, how did you pick medieval history? Which I think is fascinating. That's why I hired her. I said, how does it got to be fun? Um, she said because she was studying history in high school and loved it, and, and they went from um, Rome to the Renaissance, and she raised her hand and said to the teacher, what happened in between those two? And the teacher said nothing. <laughs> and she said, that's when I realized that's the part I wanted to study. Yeah. And I read so many books on medieval history. And I kept thinking, where the hell are all the wizards and the dragon lore and all that shit? I just didn't understand where all the folklore was. And it was it, it was quite normal. It was, you know serious peasant world, you know. And then I finally read one. I realized it was it was those um it was those books about Prince um Prince what's his name? Not charming. Uh whatever those those romance novels. That's where they all came from. That nice of the round table. Prince uh, come on, give it to me, young thirty year old. Who's had it nice King Andrew? No. You're worthless. Come on, dude. I never got into that shit. Yeah. Medieval history is fascinating. Prince Arthur. Round table um, names. And, and it, it was it was a bunch of Lancelot. Lancelot. Oh, yeah. That's right. And it, it turns out 
that's where all that crap came from. It was just a bunch of dime store novels that presumably people read to get the hots, right? To, to get it up to bang their wenchy wenches, you know. And uh, and uh, I go, that's where all that crap went. Because I, I just couldn't find any of the the mystery that was surrounding that. Um, if, you, if you've read the Canterbury Tales, you can tell there was like a culture like that. I have not read Canterbury. I might have read part of it in high school, but probably not because I, I didn't read many of the books they asked me to read. I, I would read master plots and get the basic idea and pass the test. And uh, slow reader. Works slow smart, reader. not hard. My lips get cramping up when I... Well, Canterbury Tales is, is exhausting, right? Yeah. It's, it's not an easy read. No. No, it's not. I was forced to read in high school. Um, and, and what's the other one? Uh, Beowulf. Yeah, you know, that's too hard. I want I want easy reading. Um, so I read the Jim Thorpe biographies and things like that. Yeah. Is is the uh, RFK book easy reading? Uh, I audioed it, so it's it's very easy. I'm not even completely done with it. I'm gonna, uh, I just know the RFK book will freak you out. Yeah, I'm gonna audible book that one. Um, well, I put it, the, the, the speaker is a pretty slow speaker. So around 1.5 speed is a pretty comfortable speed. Some speakers, that's too fast for me. But um, this, this guy, I, this guy would drive me nuts at regular speed. And, okay. um, and I think it's about a 15 hour book at 1.5. But it just keeps bombarding you. It just keeps carpet bombing your brain with, oh, by the way, and how many people have been slaughtered by remdesivir. My Zoom, by the way, there's a guy who's considered sort of the world's expert on remdesivir massacring of patients. So if, if anyone's listening, if you get COVID and you go to the hospital, please, please, please tell your family members before you get sick, do not let them give you remdesivir. They are killing people with remdesivir. It is mass murder. Its nickname is Run Death is Near. Yeah, it's Run Death is Near. was pulled from Ebola studies because it killed everybody. And they're still killing everyone. You know what they did? It, this is the sick part. This is what they goddamn did. They pull Run off the shelf for COVID. Fauci signs off on it. It's the only solution. It's the official sanctioned drug. And when they tried on Ebola, four of the five patients died from kidney and liver failure. So what they did is they pull it out again. They start giving it to COVID patients. But the slimy bastards figured out that if they describe COVID death, including the symptoms of remdesivir toxicity, then no one would know the remdesivir is killing them. And so it turns out kidney failure and liver failure are a big part of COVID deaths. And the virologists and the docs are going, I don't get this. A respiratory virus killing people through their liver and their kidneys it just doesn't make sense. And one doctor named Brian Artis, who I had about an hour conversation with, said, wait a minute, that makes no sense. And so he digs into it. He finds the remdesivir toxicity symptoms. He goes, there they are right there. They wrote remdesivir fatality symptoms into the COVID white sheet describing what happens when you die of COVID. This is, I mean. And guess who was on the committee? Majority Gilead representatives. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. It's, I mean, we live. Crime, high crime is at an all-time high. Thank you, sir. But I think the only way we 
I think the only way we get out of this is some event that will be so bad that we'll wish we hadn't done it. I think I think that may just take time, like you said earlier. They didn't find out till five years after that one vaccine or medicine was released that was making people sterile. We'll see how the... Yeah, that's, that's, actually, that's actually the lurking giant for me, is sterilization of young women. Yeah. By the way, you guys listen to this, you heard about myocarditis, right? That yeah. the people hear about my... And, and the news says, oh, you know, it's temporary and, and it's mild, right? And then you talk to docs, they go, there is no such thing as temporary. Myocarditis is heart damage. And there's no such thing as mild myocarditis. It's heart damage. Now, we don't know if... If vaccine-related myocarditis is is the same as the kind you get from nature, which I don't know what triggers it, mm-hmm. but myocarditis historically has a twenty percent fatality rate within two years, has a fifty percent fatality rate within five years. What do you bet the fatality rate is within ten years? Got to say a hundred percent based on that. That's third grade math right there. And so then the question is. Are all these mild myocarditis cases? Are these guys all dead? Are they going to die? Yeah, yeah. I think, the answer is I don't know. I don't know either. But if again, you said what would it take to shake people out of this, and it may take years, and slowly but surely, all those vaccine injured people with myocarditis beginning to. Jump. And if you see that they're they're able to shut down the release of Pfizer's vaccine data, then you'll know. The rig is totally in because the judge ruled, no, you got six months to get it out there. 55,000 by the end of January, another 12,000 by the end of January, another 55,000 pages per month, month after month. We are going to learn. For example, here's what people don't know. A lot of people don't know this. They don't monitor total death. They're supposed to, but they didn't. They monitored death because of COVID. It turns out the control group and the COVID group are about the same. Um, and then, but if you monitor total death, the control group survived better than, than the vaccine group. And what did the vaccine group die of? All the extra deaths that they did not attribute to the vaccine? Heart attacks. So if you monitor total death, which will, what you have to do, because you say, look, we don't understand this fucking thing. Well, let's just assume anyone who dies after getting vaccinated, we should worry about. They can be hit by a fucking car. Well, that'll happen in the control group, too, so don't worry about it. That will come out in the wash. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the fatality rate out of the, out of the, the, the vaccinated group was something like uh, 50% higher than the unvaccinated group. <laughs> right? That's criminal. That's very fucked up. It's, again, now I'm getting angry. It's so I this mean, is shit that's going to come out. And we're like, how angry are like, the children coming up? Oh, to let, me, force- let me give you a synopsis of, of what Fauci did. Fauci, when he took over, we, we, we kind of brushed against it, didn't get there. Fauci takes over NIAID. And I remember when this started happening, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. What Fauci did is he started saying, look, if you are an academic researcher and you invent some new technique or technology or drug or whatever, you get to share the proceeds, as should your university. So what would happen is he starts connecting up principal investigators, guys like me, but I don't develop drugs. I just teach pharma how to make them better. Um, 
He connects them up with pharma. So some med chemist develops a drug, hands it over to Pfizer. They do a quick look at it. Pfizer then outsources it, the clinical trials to some third party, which, by the way, also removes more liability away from Pfizer because the third party is now liable. The third party then, which is some fly-by-night operation, does the clinical trials working with doctors. And who gets money from that? The doctor, right? His research program gets the money. The, the, the medical school, this guy's doing the clinical trials and gets the money. And then Fauci comes up with this brilliant idea. Well, you know, it costs so much to run a clinical trial to do all this paperwork and do all this SEC crap and whatever, FDA crap. We should make pharma pay for this. And the average clown says, hell yeah, why should we be subsidizing pharma? So now pharma says, oh, oh, we're up with that. We'll pay for all the, the costs. It's billions. But they make so much more than that. <laughs> so what they did is they just bought the system. So now pharma controls the system because half of NIAID's budget comes from pharma. So now when the clinical trials come in, you're an outsourcing company. You do clinical trials. Pharma comes to you, you do a clinical trial. You come back with bad numbers. Are they going to hire you again? Oh, no. Right. So you make sure you come back with good numbers. Say, you know, every time we go to you know, douchebag pharma who does clinical trials, every time they give us good fucking numbers. Yeah, it's like the We're rating go back to them again, right? It's the rating Sounds agencies. a little familiar, right? This sounds like uh, Wall Street auditors, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like those auditors. It's so... So now what happens is now, now and I just, just become this pharmaceutical machine controlled by pharma. I consulted for Pfizer for 20 years. I, I collaborated with pharma, with, with, with Pfizer and with Merck on some major drugs. This is a world I didn't know about. At all. Technically fascist? The uh, combining of the government and... In the corporate world? Definitely. Yeah. By the way, you know, Fauci makes money too, personally. Yeah, he's got his Personal. name on the patents, doesn't he? Right, but I didn't believe that. I said, oh, there's no fucking way that's bullshit. And then, I, no, he does, as do various staff members at NIAID. Yeah. So the, the corruption is so deep. And if it's not deep, it's time. If, if I'm wrong about this, it's time for someone to step forward and sit and tell us how they do it because they're quiet. And they're gaslighting everybody. They're gaslighting everyone and they're making sure that anyone who tells this story gets squashed like a bug. Yeah. And Kennedy, you, you got to read Kennedy's book. It's just so mind boggling. I got to get him on the podcast. I gotta, I'm going to read I got his email. You want his email? Take a shout at him. I think so. I would love that. Uh, he probably gets 50,000 a day. So I was on a podcast with this guy named, um, a Zoom with this guy named Ryan Cole. Mm -hmm. Now, Ryan's claim to fame in this story is he's the guy who, who studies various infections. It's his practice. What Ryan says is post-vaccine, they're seeing massive rises in various viral infections. And these massive rise include things like shingles and crap like that and autoimmune shit, stuff like that. And my brother-in-law gets shingles a couple days after his booster. 
Right. Well, I've got, I, I lift up my shirt and show your audience, but then they hurl right on their keyboard. Um, yeah, I've got a psoriasis that wasn't there before. Um, and, uh, but they're also picking up a, a diminution of the immune system. I don't know what metrics are using, so it could be totally bullshit, but apparently the, the T cell counts are plummeting. Those are your warriors who battle sort of general onset. Um, and they're seeing a, they're seeing a, a rise in um, certain cancers. I, I, we got a guy on staff who's like 60 years old and he's, he's, he's now retired because he, he got a bad case of something. I don't know the details. And it might be normal. This does happen. But it also could be that somehow he got jabbed. His immune system went down the tubes in his body, kept the cancer in check. And then all of a sudden, someone opened the gate. Imagine you're trying to battle AIDS, yeah. whatever the cause is. And all of a sudden, your body plus the PrEP drug is keeping it in check. And then someone depletes your immune system. Gives you AZT. Yeah. It it takes you down to the studs potentially. So there's just things to watch. And then there's a guy, same Zoom group, guy started monitoring people before and after the vaccine. And what they find is they they have this simple test called the D-dimer test, which is used to show blood clotting. And the blood clotting turns out to be uh, apparently it's a simple test. The blood clotting is used, for example, if you have an ulcer or something, or you might have an internal bleed of some kind they don't know about, they will do the D-dimer test, say, okay, there's something in there. We got to go in because the guy's bleeding, right? <laughs> he says we're getting a massive spike in post-vaccine clotting. And these are not people who are dying of the clots. These are people who are showing clotting. So here's the question I ask rhetorically in my year in review. Do we know for a fact is it possible that everyone who's been vaccinated has been damaged? Is there anyone who can say, yes, we know that's not true? And if it Do is true. Do we know true. for a fact, for example, that, and here's how you figure it out, Marty, you know this. The coaches who coach sports that measure times to the hundredth of a second if their teams are all vaccinated, all of a sudden they go, you know, my swimmers ate too many jelly donuts during lockdown. They just are not swimming very well. That could be the vaccine just pinged them a little. Just enough. Just enough. Just enough. And if it is true, it is true. and we, uh, the echo is crazy right now, but and it does. We don't uh, know. We just don't know. What we do know is that the guys in power are not going to follow this. That's the problem. No faith that they're going to tell us this. That's the problem. Go ahead. Continue. I was going to say, if there's a group external to the guys in power that do figure out how um, to prove this and do prove it, like what what does society do? I mean, you're talking about... I I don't know. Of course, there are guys out there now, guys like McCullough and Malone are getting their asses kicked. These guys were credible before they started fighting. And so... Everyone else is watching this going, you know, I'm not sure I'm up for that right now. I'm I'm not sure I'm ready to throw myself into the wood chipper. Well, if you're listening and you're one of those people, don't be afraid. Get into the wood chipper with all of us uh, because 
you know, and, and are, I've ducked the wood chipper on some stuff. And, you know, I, I you, you know, there's other fights I fight and some I don't. You got to pay. One time, Glenn Greenwald got asked about 9-11. And his answer was telling, he said, you can't fight every fight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was not a no, I don't believe it answer. That was definitely a. Uh, I, I believe I just, it, but I don't have time to go into it for you. That's exactly right. And and. You know, those who somehow think the 9-11 wackos uh, uh, are, are, are somehow just loons have not done their homework. It's, most, it's a spooky story. Most people don't know the three buildings fell that day. That's right. And the other thing is, in case you really want to dig deep, you go find the four-hour documentary called The New Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And, and yeah. actually, Dan- Chris Iris told me that in the middle of a podcast. He said, that's the best one. He was right. The dancing Israelis in Jersey City is the the smoking gun for me. And I just uh, so the world is a dark place. It probably always has been. You know, in ancient Rome, there was a fifty-year period where they went through fifty emperors. Hard to argue that's not a pretty dark period. Um. So. uh, I've got to hop on a call in five minutes and okay, we're, ending it, we're ending it on a morbid note, Dave, but we started on a morbid note. We followed morbid notes. Then we ended on a morbid note. Can right? you, do you have any optimism in you? Do you have any optimism? In you? Well, I do to the extent that I think I, I have this blind faith that I can kind of work around it, that I can just kind of, that I've accrued enough wealth and this and that. And, you know, I've got my gold, you got your Bitcoin and, and and one could be better than the other, but if we're right, both are going to be better than the normal alternatives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I kind of want to leave some money to my kids because wealth creation is hard. You know, hard. they've done one's a violinist, right? He's not running to the money for that. The other one is, has got a credible, you know, he's got a great job, credible salary. But there's grandchildren involved, and so I, it'd be nice to not, you know, burn down all my savings to live the next thirty years in my life. Which is why I didn't want to quit rather than max. I, I'm a big breadwinner in the family. I mean, I actually my annual salary is pretty big. Humble brag. So, what's that? Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so now, yeah, I'm optimistic that, you know, this too shall pass. Um, I'm optimistic you can adapt, right? Uh, I think rather than thinking about how to stop it, I think you have to figure out how to work with it. I, I think the new world order, to the extent that it's here, how do you optimize it? At a personal level, how do you optimize it? Yeah. Fuck, man. All right. Learn to live with it. You can worry about your kids. You can worry about your kids too much. You say, hey, we had shit to deal with. They're going to have shit to deal with. Their kids are going to have shit to deal with. This is, this, is the, the, this is the long march of humanity up out of the jungle into the savannah, up in, into the high rises, up to the condos. Into the concrete jungle. Right. Uh, it's always a battle out there. They're sociopaths. They exist. They hate you. Um, be aware of them. They don't care. That's actually what the sociopaths are. They don't care. Uh, that's actually just, a better point. Yeah. Some yeah. guy tried to tell me sociopaths and psychopaths were different. Uh, there's a debate about that. Um, uh, they, they lack conscience. 
And for that reason, they're pretty successful because if you can play by any set of rules you want against a person who, who is restrained by rules, then you tend to beat them. Yeah. It's like in lacrosse, a good cheesy face-off, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, right? uh, the guys who are willing to cheat, which everyone does. So, Especially if you're a FOGO. Hey, I ran into a, I, I ran into a lacrosse photo myself, freshman year lacrosse photo. I wasn't looking for. I was looking for a friend of mine who I thought might, and I, I looked up his name, and, and boom, there was my freshman year. I was. The funny part is that it was it. So it's freshman year, and I'm in the back row, little guy, and in the front row was Tom Rafferty. <laughs> it, it was JV. Here's Tom Rafferty playing JV lacrosse. And, you sh- you yeah. should put that. Put send me that picture. I want to see it. It's on Twitter. I put it up on Twitter. All right, I gotta if you go. Search fun. my name and Twitter Rafferty in case I forget. Um, you'll find it. All right. I'm gonna he go. doesn't even look that big to me. He got big later in life, but he, he he doesn't look that big to me. Yeah, there's some late bloomers out there. Maybe Rafferty was one of them. Well, he was big, but um, he, Rafferty was also smart. By the way, he was an A student. Mm. Lacrosse players typically now, are smart. Now, now his brains are fried. I think. <laughs> No, no, he's in a wheelchair. I mean, he's a mess. Too many concussions? Too many concussions, too much steroids, who knows what. Some combination of all of the above, I don't know. But he he is a neurological disaster zone. That sucks. Wouldn't want my kid to play football. No, no. That is uh... it's too much sacrifice. Good Maybe. character building until you're brainless. Yeah, maybe they could play like up until high school, but then it's like, all right, you're getting too Something old. like that. Lacrosse yeah. is probably better, although don't want to be a goalie. We've talked about that. You got to yeah. be a twisted person. Were you a goalie? No, no, no. I'm not. Okay. I don't have that. I don't have that wire you be unplugged sick. in my mind. Yeah, Yeah. That that is a twisted person. The goalies are, are a different. They're missing something. I played crease lacrosse, got pigged enough in the crease to, to know not to be a goalie. Yeah. And my, my wife's cousin is a. Uh, is a goalie a pen? Um... Yeah, nothing like a 105 mile per hour shot to hit you in the shin to sober you up. Yeah. All right, I've got to go. I always Adios. enjoy this. I uh, thank you for your your review. You post it? When's it go up? It's up When's right it now. Up? It's going to go up right away. Okay, I'll check out your feed. Adios, let's, dude. Let's do it again soon. Okay. All right. Bye.